remember one thing, Elliot. Are you a one or a zero? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Are you a yes or a no? Are you going to act or not? You've been staring at a computer screen way too long, homie. That's not that binary. Isn't it? Sure, there are grays. When you come right down to it, at its core, beneath every choice, is either a one or a zero. You either do something or you don't. You walk out that door, you decided to do nothing, to say no. Which means you do not come back. You leave, you are no longer a part of this. You become a zero. change the world. You become a yes. You become a one. So I'll ask you again. Are you a one or a zero? You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind, a journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio, with your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. back and I'm excited it is I guess around 80 degrees or so we just do not have spring anymore I I would say that I know that our president President Trump I'm not going to call him president 45 or number 45 regrettably he's our president again regrettably and I think he is wrong his administration is certainly wrong when it comes down to the notions of there not being such a thing as global warming certainly if it's April and 80 degrees, you can't call it springtime anymore. Springtime is done. Anyway, folks, this is the Grindhouse edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk and, of course, the Uncanny Darrell B. and Claire Lene, our Left Coast correspondent. The call-in number, you know the drill, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. This is where you get all your information or at least most of it, from a nerds of color slash blurdy perspective. When it comes down to pop culture, pop culture, this is the place, this is where it's at. Anyway, people, a chief component, 
cog in our spacely sprocket machinery deals with the urban alternative groove and the forthcoming Afropunk Festival. Those grooves, we play them here. Believe it or not, we give you the very best of that kind of music. So, without further ado, let's do one of these grooves I was just talking about. People, let's get into a gentleman that I think was dubbed the Little JB, the Little James Brown. He sounds unmistakably like the late James Brown. I mean, really, really. But he's been uh, he's been around for a long time, but he's been somewhat rediscovered, believe it or not. Mr. Lee Fields. Lee Fields and the Explorers. This is I'm the Man. And I am the man. We'll be right back. Let's groove. That's right. Uh, I'm the man. 
All right. Wow, he sounds a whole lot like James Brown. I got to confess. Anyway, Lee Fields and I Am The Man. This is Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk, the Grindhouse edition featuring, co-featuring my co-discussants, Kenny Darrell B. And, of course, Claire Lene. Anyway, let's get into this. Captain, you're needed on Vulcan for a change. Let's get to it, sir. Logically makes sense. <laughs> yes. Let's go. Again, I, I know that we are so reliant on this young man's knowledge, especially when it comes to pulp culture. And by extension, his uh, sports knowledge is something unrivaled as well. Uh, you know him by, this, by all this time. I, I always give him these, these, these long introductions because we do appreciate him uh, for his involvement on in our show. He's a definite partner in our quest to disseminate blurred, blurtic uh, knowledge, blurtic, um, well, you know, blurred the nerds of color. Let's get into it. This is the uncanny Daryl B. I can't hype it up any more than I already have. If you're not picking up the Hulk series, if you're not picking up the Avatar series from Dark Horse, if you're not picking up Hulk from Marvel, if you're not picking up Clean Room from Vertigo DC, there's something wrong with you. Some pretty brilliant writing going on. Definitely, definitely. Always, always glad you give us a little bit of a uh, little bit of tidbits there, Daryl. Um, let's get into this quickly. Uh, I'm going to let the captain take lead because you actually brought this to my attention. I really could not dismantle, or what's my favorite word, deconstruct what you were saying. This notion that this particular arc, this particular season of agents, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has really been something. I mean, really something. And I think it's, it's probably going to get another season. I think there's some politics behind that. <laughs> Nevertheless, you said captain that hey shield is actually better than the flash and that might be in some eyes some folks might look at that as being blasphemous as heresy so uh i want to give you the floor man what do you what are you talking about cap what's going on all right it goes back to agents of shield season one i blame it on Dow. all right <laughs> and should i say i did have to give Dowell a lot of credit all right so let's hand let me hand out the visa the MasterCard, Discovery, and whatever else you use. And I hand it out to Darrell. Darrell had said what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had dropped, and we were all dissing it. He had said, you guys need to keep watching it because it's going to get a lot, of, a lot better, and you're going to see Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. link into, like, you know, the movies and stuff like that. He was forecasting which we definitely got to see. We saw that aspect of it. But when they started doing that, it still really wasn't that good, but it was good enough to watch now. Now that we at, now we're here. What is this, season five? What is it now? Correct me if yeah, I'm wrong. five. Okay, we're at season five. And let me tell you something. See, ignorance is bliss to a certain extent because when you're ignorant to how a lot of these TV shows work, meaning which how they're put together, how they're formulating, how writing works, how 
how uh, more or less when an actor says something one way and they shoot him a certain way, when you're ignorant to all that stuff at times, you can enjoy these things a lot better. Problem with me, I'm not ignorant. So I know when the actor, uh, he really couldn't get that line down right. So now the next scene is going to be like this. And then I'm always predicting what's happening. So what happens is I get bored real quick with a lot of these shows. That, that's what was going on here in Flash. I can predict what's going on this season, you know? And I can see why they shoot a person this way, why they bring in this, and where they're getting lazy. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now, I don't know what's going on each episode. I'm intrigued. It's somewhat orgasmic because I don't get that feeling a lot when I'm watching something, you know? So I'm like, wow, man, they're actually pulling something here, you know? They're stepping on the gas and going. They're definitely doing something here. So I'm watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the last couple of episodes. I felt this in the last couple of episodes, not just with the last episode. The last couple of episodes, I said, why is this better than The Flash to me? I said, the temerity of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to me better than, let me talk, let me talk like uh, Afro, my Flash. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? The, the temerity of these people. Now, of course, Flash, season one and two, totally orgasmic, is incredible. I don't care what anyone says. I'll debate with anybody, go back and forth with that. If they say, well, Flash season one and two was not incredible, screw you, you don't know what you're talking about, i turn your mic off. I think it was very incredible because they had very, very good villains, which is the oxymoron, good villains. <laughs> but that's what they had. And I say a lot of these things, whether it's Star Wars, whether it's Star Trek, or whether it's these superhero movies, they are more they are more or less cops and robbers. What defines a cop? The bad guy. You have to have very you have to have a very good villain. When you when the villain is not so good, it drops off. You you just you just moving around all over the place. Hence something like Star Wars, I'm just talking about this to give you an analogy. You take Darth Vader and Yoda out of Star Wars, you don't have anything. You see? So when you deal with Flash the first two seasons, and you had Reverse Flash, and you had Zoom, and some people were saying, oh, why do they have to go against the speedsters? They needed those speedsters, even though there were other people they were dealing with, other individuals, other metahumans that they were dealing with. You know, you needed that. It helped really to define the series. Now, this season, yeah, you, you have Savitar. That, that, that's, that's legitimate. But the way they portrayed him, except for the one time when he was dragging the Flash all over the place, you know, which I love, by the way. I like seeing the Flash get dragged all over the place. Other than that, eh, eh, I, I don't have that high. Like like uh, addicts talk about, you know, you're chasing that first high that I have in season one and two. Now, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm getting that high. I don't know what's going to happen, and I like that feeling, you know. I like what's going on. I cannot predict each scene. I cannot look, okay, at this point in, it's 10 minutes in, okay, this one has to die in order for this to make sense. No, that's not what's happening. I can't do that. So I'm very intrigued. I'm very much into it at this given point. Now, 
I pose, I pose this question to Darrell B. and Afro Nerd. Do you agree with me? Do you agree with what I'm saying in respect? Now, I'm not saying that Flash has gotten terrible. I'm just saying right now that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is better. And they have a lot of nerve, a lot of temerity, you know? <laughs> Back over to you, Afro Nerd. Uh, Darrell, what, what are your thoughts about his query? What, what, what do you All think right. about what he's asking? All right, I will, I will, I, I will bite on this bait, and once again, I will be called a DC hater for saying what I'm saying. But <laughs> oh, there I, we go. But, but I listen. I have, I have never made it a secret of of my hate for some of the tropes that they've done to death on Flash. Okay, and and some of the things instead of being heroic, they've made him seem whiny. All right, I I, I will say that uh, at times. All right, uh, this past Flash that uh, came on has been was the best episode of the year, just because they had Barry being heroic, they they reestablished the bonds of family, you know, and and you know there was no qu- quick fix to it. That being said. Agents of Seal this season has kicked Flash's ass in three ways. One, the captain hit on it. The unexpected. Hey, we knew about Ghost Rider. We knew about the LMDs. All right? We knew that. That was no secret. What they did keep secret is, did you expect to have three episodes in the framework? And we're going to have at least two more episodes of them in the framework where we got Trip back. We got Ward back. We got ties to other characters and, and, and parts of the movies being established through this. Like, oh, shoot, that's what could have possibly happened? That's one. Two, in doing that, they fleshed out Gemma more. They fleshed out some of Coulson's motivations more. They fleshed out May more. You know, more than, than they did in previous seasons. We've gotten a fleshing out of characters here. And hell, did anybody anticipate that, that, that Fitz had such a dark side to him? I didn't see that coming. I mean, we had hints in previous episodes, but he's been downright malicious at times in the framework, which leads to the big three. And I said this before, and I'll say it again, and it comes to DC, it comes to Warner Bros., unfortunately it comes to uh, uh, the CW right here. You hype up comic fans by using characters and terms that comic fans know, like, oh, 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 we're going to get this this season. Oh, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. And then at the end, the product is severely lacking. Marvel didn't hype up the framework. Disney didn't hype up the framework. They just gave it to us, and they gave us a good story told from beginning to end. DC, CW, WB, however, they hyped up Flashpoint. 
They hyped it up so much. We were talking about it before the season started. Oh, Flashpoint. How many episodes are we going to get? It's going to be good. I go like, oh, this should be interesting. This will allow the actors to, for, to spread their wings a little bit. Let's see what they can do. And they only gave us one episode, which led to a sour taste in comic book fans' mouths and some of the regular viewers' mouths. Like, we, we never got attached to the new world. In this framework, they've given Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the actors have given us plenty of time to scope out what's going on here. The shock, they, for, the first shot we got of the framework was May on top of the, the, the Hydra symbol. And we were all like, oh, how are they going to pull this off? And then later on, they played it out with, with Coulson as a school teacher, with, with Ward as a part of S.H.I.E.L.D. again, a part of the resistance, with, with the Patriot. With with Gemma being dead, we were all like, so it wasn't just the shock and awe. They followed through. They gave us the payoff. Now, they still need to stick the landing, all right? They have at least two episodes left. This is a, a storyline that just can't be finished with the next episode. You know, you got to give us that time. You got to make sure you give us that closure. But, but, they paid off most of the bill. They didn't hype it. This has been a surprise. And I've yet to hear somebody say, oh, this has sucked. No, no. You know, from from everything you see on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook with the actors to their repartees on Twitter to uh, with, with the with the staff and and the sites, they thought about this before they did this. Honestly, this felt what this feels like. Hey, we don't know. We got another season coming up. Let's just throw everything in here. Let's just go with it. But then. In the middle of it, they're like, okay, we're putting all of this in. Let's start lining this up so it makes sense. And that's how they beat them. Back to you, Afrinerd. All right. Um, let me try to answer uh, the captain's questions. Uh, it's difficult for me because if I'm thinking in my own head, I – and the longtime listeners know that I'm a big supporter of the Flash. I, I literally was introduced into the combo collecting. I've said this ad nauseum through that specific character. So to see him on screen, it doesn't really take much for me to be really into into that universe. The fact that his power set is what it is. The fact that it's on TV and even the CGI is passable for me. So um, if I'm going to be honest, just to see Flash on TV is enough. However. Uh, I still like to see a good TV program. I still like to be engrossed. And it, it's more of, of a high and low thing. Peaks and valleys with, with The Flash. Uh, this season has been very, very kind of uneven. The last episode was a bit of an uptick because they went into the future. You saw uh, a more of a maudlin Barry Allen. Um, we're getting closer to figuring out who Savitar is. So there's some things that are going on that are okay, but just okay. Now, S.H.I.E.L.D., S.H.I.E.L.D. has been kind of ascending 
really from season three to where we are now. Uh, maybe even season two, but let's say season three be more specific. Season three has been go and now it's really reaching a crescendo. And really, a lot of it has to do maybe with, with uh, Jed Wheaton. That's part of it. Uh, also, they have embraced the mythology of S.H.I.E.L.D. more. I've been wanting to see the, the idea of a life model decoy when Daryl referenced the acronym LMD. Stands for essentially an android, an android that that is passable as as human. I was looking for that from Avengers One when we saw Coulson being killed. At least we thought he was killed. They went to this whole convoluted Tahiti thing. Again, this convoluted thing, and I said all they had to do was just do an LMD. So we we went through a whole bunch of machinations to get to an LMD. Now. Um, I got to go back to Daryl on one thing, though. This is really to the to the chat room. Our our supporter Black Ronin, he, his thing. His, I'm going to read it verbatim. He says uh, the last arc is not that good. I'm having a hard time watching the Matrix knockoff. So before I even go further into my how I feel about uh, the Shield, what it, what would you say to what Black is saying that this is basically a Matrix knockoff, Daryl? Yes, it's a Matrix knockoff. I don't deny it's a Matrix knockoff. But you know what it is? It's an alternate reality. What, wasn't that what Flashpoint was supposed to be? And you can't deny that this has been ten times better than the, the, the crap they ended up giving us with Flashpoint. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> Just speaking facts. And, and again, again, here, here's the big thing on it, right? DC and the CW hype flashpoint. How it was going to make a big difference in the world. How you, it's going to shake everything up. Okay? When you look back on it, outside of Diggle's Kid, outside of Killer Frost, how much did that actually shake up anything? Except make Barry Allen a more unlikable hero. Yes, I said it. <laughs> well, All right. never, let, never let it be said that Dow doesn't give us his opinion. Um, so let me, let, me just, let me just close things up a little bit. So, uh, yeah, there's a matrix thing going on. But at the same time... Almost everything is derivative of something else. That's almost unavoidable. You're going to be seeing True. Matrix references for the end of all time. It's more about the execution and how well it's done. I have to confess that we can call this particular arc of S.H.I.E.L.D. a Matrix knockoff, but I think it's a, that's a little too knee-jerk. I think that the acting has been superb. I think you've got a little bit of an Android thing going on to kind of mix that up. Uh, I mean, uh, do, do Android's dream of electric sheep. I mean, how, how many derivations have we seen of that Philip K. Dick storyline? We've been seeing that for the last 40-something years. So, I mean, it's disingenuous, respectfully, to Black Ronin to kind of take a dump on S.H.I.E.L.D. channeling the Matrix when almost the entirety of sci-fi uh, sci in the last 40 years has been derivative of something. It's more about uh, how well has it been done. So, anyway. Um, Blade Runner. 
<laughs> That's the biggest yeah. copy thing I mean, out. Come on. <laughs> and and listen, we go, we're going to see it again. <laughs> yep. With Blade Runner coming back. But let me let me back things up a little bit because uh, I know Daryl detests this, but we, we at times we do have to go into into teacher mode for the for the listeners that are just coming in. Again, folks, this is the Grindhouse edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. I got word that our our high priestess high priestess, pardon me, our high priestess. She loves that. Uh, Claire Lene, she's forthcoming, uh, so she'll be with us in a moment. Anyway, um, Shield, again, TV series fifth season. The acronym is Supreme Headquarters International Espionage Law Enforcement Division. Marvel loves its acronyms, whether it's Armor, Hammer, Strike. All of them are are kind of these these clandestine organizations. But Shield is essentially the spy wing of the Marvel Universe. Think about James Bond with going in and out of superpowers and, and that kind of thing. It has that tilt because it's in the Marvel Universe. Anyway, uh, we saw S.H.I.E.L.D. with Avengers, and they were able to bring S.H.I.E.L.D. to television. So, uh, I, I dig what they're doing, but I think that this particular story arc is superior to Flash. I, I, that's my opinion. But I'm digging that we have both of them. But Flash, as good as it is, and as uneven as it is, it falls under the confines of the damn CW. What <laughs> there is, we what, go. <laughs> was it that Daryl always says, DC is going to DC? <laughs> or the CW is going to CW? I mean, that's what's that issue. That's the problem. They're under the constraints of their own effort. So I'm, you know, hey, either way, I dig what they're doing. Uh, but Shield is, Shield is that show, and I, I hope and I'm very confident that it will get another season, especially as strong as this season has been. But it's not because of the lack of ratings. It's because it's a political thing that as long as they're getting billion, pardon me, multi-billion dollar paydays with their cinematic properties, you better believe they're going to allow this very excellent infomercial to continue. And I say that respectfully. That in, in in some ways it is a Marvel infomercial that's allowed to exist. Am I being a bit harsh on that, Daryl? Am we going to go to the to the calls in a moment? Am I being no. harsh on calling it an infomercial? No. That, like I said, it's a perfect vehicle to keep to keep the buzz about the movies alive, or to just keep the name Marvel in your mouth. I mean, for the last, what, two months, I've been going on about how DC has dropped the ball with Wonder Woman's <laughs> marketing, you know? If, if DC ha- would have linked their CW universe with the cinematic universe, maybe, maybe you could, that, you could have hyped that movie a little bit more. You know, so hey, as long as long as it's economically feasible, it's going to be on. All right, gentlemen, listen. Before we take this call, I'm going to be a bit self-indulgent. I want to play a little bit more music. Uh, we still are a year and some days past the uh, the death of His Royal Badness, and as I have, as I thought in my mind's eye, as I thought in my mind's eye, it took this man dying to realize, hey. He was really the real deal, but you didn't really give him that th- those kind of accolades when the man was alive. Uh, and interestingly enough, I don't see as much love toward 
Michael Jackson. And I, hey, we all grew up with Michael Jackson. Let's just be respectful about his talent. But I think when it comes down to how the, the real deal musical talent, I mean, the, the musicianship, those kind of things that actually last, I think we're seeing more and more people kind of coming out about, you know, uh, there's a 30th anniversary. Uh, what, what is it? The 30, well, I don't know if it's the 30th anniversary. I think it's more than that. But there's a, a deluxe edition. That's just been released by Warner Brothers. I'll talk about the WB. We, we talk about the CW, Warner, Warner Brothers, same thing. There's a conspiratorial edge to this release. <laughs> but anyway, we're getting a fully packed Purple Rain release with some extra m- music that's been remastered that probably a lot of folks have not heard before. Uh, those who are not Prince disciples. I mean, I've heard this stuff, but many folks that are not, they're hearing it for the first time. So anyway, because of that... In my long-winded self, I'm going to play some music, and then we're going to do what we're going to do. We're going to get back to it. We're going to get to the call, so bear with us, folks. This is Erotic City, one of my favorite jams, live from First Avenue, 1984. Give you about two and a half minutes, then we'll get back to the discourse. We'll get to the lines. We do what we do. And, of course, the high priestess is coming. Let's get to the groove, folks. Erotic City.
Damn. Oh, I see our friend Black Ronin is <laughs> he's giving me some crap. What does he say? He says, uh, <laughs> what does he say? He says, uh, Michael still gets plenty of love. Wait until June and August. You're killing me, D-Burke. Quit the shade, Negro. Yeah. I'm can I, give you some can I say something? Yeah, sure. Can I say sure. something? It, it, sure. It's, I'm leaning towards that you have an axe to grind in respect to this Prince thing. <laughs> I told you something going on. You know, I'm starting to lean towards that, you know. But the man, we, let's call a spade a spade. The man was that great, you know. Yeah. And that's the reality of it. You know, that's the reality. But you do have, as they would say, an axe to grind. <laughs> I start to think that, D-Vert. I told you so. I told you he was that good. You know, I told you. I told you. Now you see. Now you want to give him credit. Yep. A little bit of that going on. A little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, yeah, because I always talked about Prince. I, listen, I am a Prince stan. This is evident. Shout out to Q Storm. Shout out to Podcast because they are also co-stands as well. And I'm also, I consider myself a musicologist. I listen to Duke Ellington. Uh, I listen to Louis Armstrong, Bessie Smith, Stevie Wonder, uh, Dinah Washington. I listen to the greats. I was raised on the greats, okay? This, Miles Davis, Led Zeppelin, uh, Pink Floyd. I can go all, I can span the musical landscape, as can my, my co-discussant. Daryl B. And I know he told I know he knows what I'm talking about. When it comes for pound for pound in the modern era, as far as musicianship, writing, arranging, doing all of that, we have not seen anyone really in that same capacity. I saw I grew up with Michael Jackson. I, I thought he was great. I thought he was great. But I also started to notice he was doing that same squiggly kick for twenty something years. Sorry. Come on now. There we go. Here's the difference between us. I can say that and I know it, but I don't look to find Sukur from the same fans that want to put little Yahi up there with the greats. Oh. <laughs> okay, you know. Here we go. Here you go. <laughs> you know, I, hey, I, 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 you guys know how much I love music and how much I play music, but, but. I'm not trying to get those fans on the Prince bandwagon. I'll go like, okay, you kids like this? That's good. That's your deficiency. This is what I listen to. That's why I can appreciate uh, Bruno Mars, but is he in Prince's League yet? No. I can appreciate a B.O.B., but is he in Prince's League yet? No. You know, I appreciate their their, crea- uh, their 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 creative skills, but they got a ways to go before you start calling. Well, this is going to be the next Prince. Slow your roll, there. You got a ways to go. Back to you, Alfred Nerd. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it will be it will be apropos that we we played a Prince, so now we have a Queen coming. <laughs> you know, she likes to hear that. <laughs> And I, and I also, I believe it sincerely. Uh, let me get her theme music going. Got to set her up correctly. You, you know this. Okay, folks. Once again, from the left coast, our chief correspondent, our only correspondent from the left coast, coincidentally, G 
She is a high priestess of passion, comic books, and so forth. Pulp culture, pop culture, the cinematic universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think I put the DC Cinematic Universe for her in parentheses, parenthetically, because I think she craps on that, rightfully so, rightfully so. She is Claire Lene. Claire! We've been waiting for you. Here I am. <laughs> How are you, sis? <laughs> I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm pretty good, pretty good. Fighting for your rights. <laughs> Claire, you know I want to see you in <laughs> I do want to see you in a Wonder Woman costume spinning around. I just want to see that. <laughs> anyway. I, I okay, wanna, that I came out wrong. Happen. That came I, out totally no. wrong. <laughs> no, you know what? You guys are pigs. I'm talking, I'm talking about, I look at as I was, you know what? Now, this, this, this time, I'm, I was not meeting that in a reptilian way. I'm saying we have her so close. You know what? I'm not going to explain myself. I look at her as, as uh, someone who could pull that role off respectfully. Okay. So, okay. Let's not. Let's, right. Okay, come on. He don't. He don't Your pretend story, too much. You call it, please. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Claire, <laughs> welcome. No shade. God. <laughs> we, and Claire, you coming in? We have them just totally off edge right now. So you're coming in at the perfect time. Yes. Oh, perfect. Perfect. And I need something to just cheer me up because I'm having a hell of a night. You have one of those days where you just you really want to tell your boss to just kiss your ass, you know, just every hour that I'm at work. Take this job and just shove it up where the sun don't shine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, let me let me say something to Black Ronan. He says, "Dow, you got him." <laughs> I think Claire can play Colin Wing. Okay, listen, Claire can play Wonder Woman and Colin Wing. How about that? Let's stop. Let's stop color coding these roles. That's the reason why we have. That's the reason why she's on the damn show. We can do whatever you want to do. It. That's not, you know. That's, 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 that's what I meant, by the way. Anyway. God, I'm no, all Dallas said it came out wrong. He didn't say it. That's all he said. That's all. It came out yeah, wrong. Yeah, right. me thinks he protested uh, protest too much. No, you know what? I'm gonna move along. I know what you meant. Anyway, let's get into this. Uh. Claire, we were talking about. Well, I don't know. Are you up? This, <laughs> I know things are rough. Uh, with look, all of us, we can't look at all this crap. I, I wanted to see slight. I, I didn't see slight. Uh, I'm very lucky to be able to see some of this Agents of Shield stuff. Um, have you seen any of the Shield, Shield TV series? You know what? Honestly, no. Because it got to the point where I was falling uh, so far behind, and their Hulu. Um, you know, partnership only allows for, you know, like five episodes at a time. And it's just it's just where I feel like, okay, you know what, I've I've missed too many episodes and I'm just gonna do the thing where I wait until it comes on Netflix. Now I know for sure that with a CW the CW shows, you know, Legends, Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, they already have an agreement that literally a week after they finish their season, it'll become available for streaming on Netflix. I don't know if that's the case with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I do think it's relatively soon after, and I'm just going to have to do it that way, binge through, because I'm just, I've just fallen too far behind, 
too many things are going on. I have to, I have to, you know, skim over any articles that are potentially spoilery. But it does make me laugh whenever I feel like, oh, yep, typical comic book, typical soap opera. People that you thought were dead or alive, people you thought were evil or good, people thought you were good or evil. I'm just like, okay, all right. <laughs> let me just let me just get to it when I can get to it. But I am hearing good things, so at least there's that. I'm hearing that y'all are seemingly uh, satisfied, you know, uh, content, impressed perhaps with how the season has unfolded this year so so i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to it but i i i'm pretty far behind well the problem is that you're going to have to get through season one well you might want to just skip season one but it's it well, no, no, no. I, I i'm just far behind on this season okay so you know you're up you're somewhat seen, the... yeah i've seen everything up through up through um ghost rider yes ghost rider all right. Gosh, okay. man, it's not too bad. Crazy. Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider, even though it's not too bad, ultimately, because, you know, let's remember, let's remember that their seasons are like 22 episodes. Even mm-hmm. though it's, you know, not that far off, it doesn't it feel, doesn't it feel like a long time ago? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's the great thing. That shows I you mean, how in like depth September? this has been. <laughs> yeah, that's because they do that break business. And it drives me crazy when they do that. Because I fall behind. Mm. <laughs> well, the reason why I asked you that question, Claire, is because uh, this is really uh, out of the prompting of the captain. The captain said, in all due honesty, he said, he said we, I got a topic for you. Uh, I think S.H.I.E.L.D. is better than Flash this season. I said, you know what? I cannot disagree because I'm actually actively involved in S.H.I.E.L.D. And Flash is, you know, Flash is, uh, you nah. say this a lot, Claire. It's, it's so much of a soap opera. And it's hit or miss when it doesn't really have to be. So S.H.I.E.L.D. is really superior to Flash this season because uh, uh, the storytelling is just superb to me. So it is what it is. Um, let's move things along a little bit. Uh, just quickly. Daryl didn't see it. Um, actually, at the prompting of Q-Storm's, uh, Q-Storm's partner on podcast, Aunt Pooh. <laughs> Aunt Pooh. <laughs> he he's talking about Netflix's Dear White People, and I was reluctant to see Dear White People. And and, and we even interviewed. This is going back maybe two years ago. We interviewed the director Justin Simeon when he was first promoting Dear White People, Dear White People as a as a movie. The movie did, was moderately successful, so he's able to parlay that into a Netflix series. So it's been talked up quite a bit, and honestly. Dear White People, for me, may be what Get Out is in a sense, that under normal circumstances, I would not really want to see these type of properties. I, I, I thought we were in a different place politically, but because of the current administration, now this stuff seems to be more current. A year ago, I would have said, oh, I don't care about that stuff. Dear White People came off to me like it was a uh, Spike Lee era knockoff. Under normal circumstances, it would be. It would be. I thought we were over this race, race thing, in quotes, in quotes. Um, because of where we are now, it's right on time. So I'm, I'm looking at a little bit of it. Of it. It's 30, 30 minutes per episode. 
I'm at, I'm at, I think, episode four. The acting's pretty good. Attractive people. It's on a college campus. Uh, it's talking about racial conflicts. Um, I would advise your listenership to check, to check it out. But at the same time, I spoke to the captain about this. And even though it's current because of where we are, I've, I, we talk about race so much on this show that sometimes it's a bit draining even to look at it on a college campus. And it's got all of the, yep. all of, all of the current woke, stay woke. You know, I prefer to be awake. I don't like the woke thing. That irritates me. Uh, the intersectionality, cisgender this, cisgender that. You know, you've got all the catch words and buzz, buzz words that annoy me in the present time. So uh, check it out. I can dig it. I'll, I'll see where, where it's going. Um, I'm not so much into the binary thing also. Maybe they'll touch more about that. You know, it's very much black and white. We see uh, Latin representation. We see some Asian representation. We see some of that going on. Uh, g- g- the gay agenda is also in effect in the, in the show. I think that was also um, touched upon in the movie. So they're trying to really give you a whole bunch of stuff mixed in on a college campus. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. But you might want to check it out anyway. Daryl, uh, let me go to the captain. Captain, you didn't see it, but you you did say you were feeling a bit, a bit. Uh, I don't know, weary about it. What do you worry? What are you impressed about even looking at this thing? It's like, uh, yeah, it's draining. It's bring kryptonite to me. You know, <laughs> if I was Superman. At this given point, because just as you said, it's a constant race type of thing. Everything is race, race. Sometimes you need a break, man. You know, that's why the superhero thing is good at times, because you get to escape. It's like, ah, I'm out of here. Go to another dimension or something. You know, I'll deal with this the next day. You know, know sometimes, I said, sometimes. That's what I said after (laughs) that. Mark your words when we talk about diversity in Marvel last week. We, we can't mm-hmm. escape the race thing because of the political climate, even in comic books. Even in comic books, race and gender still play a role in the discussion. So this is where we are as we may go to war with Korea, North Korea. <laughs> I kid you not. Anyway, um, so hopefully we will be alive to actually see. We better be because we got to see at least Black Panther. Then we can shut the lights. <laughs> anyway, uh, Let's let's go into let's let's move beyond that. Um, Daryl, it was announced that Titans TV Titans the TV series, I think it's coming to the CW. Is that correct? Or or their or their um, streaming service. Oh, yes, right. More specifically, exactly their digital subscription service. Uh, I thought that was it. TNT was supposed to be getting the Titans. And I thought it went away. Now it's br- it's brought back with some with some uh, veracity. Well, again, it's more talk. It's more talk. Is they they go into the hype machine. They're talking about it. They're spreading it. They're spreading the news. Now, I can't blame WB themselves because this seems to be in response to certain people on here and certain fans bringing up to them that they haven't been hyping up the Wonder Woman thing. 
But all of a sudden, they went full tall, uh, build. Like, yeah, we're going to have Titans on the service. Yeah, we're going to do the Titans on the service. But there was a downside to that. And I think we're going to get into the downside later. But I, I will, I will like, uh, just sneak peek it right now. Hey, Young Justice fans, you know all the work you did in going to Netflix and 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 petitioning Netflix to to, to make a season three of Young Justice because you were so devoted and passionate about it. Well, the WB just screwed you because now you're going to have to pay for this subscription service to see it. So. All that work you did, Captain said it before, I'll say it again, WB is going to WB and just got you with no Vaseline. (laughs) WB is going to WB because they have no intentions in bringing it back. Now, how does that relate to the Titans thing? Well, guess what? On their streaming service, we were supposed to get Static Shock, right? They, they announced that, what, 20 months ago? A Static Shock Live, yes, we're going to do that. That didn't come. I will believe Titans when I see it. And then when if they give it to us, start it's get in position now. Because it won't be what you expect it to be. You are going to get, well, I'm going to just leave that Latin next phrase alone, but you could, you, know, you could hear from the anger and the corniness in my voice. Simply put, they know that fans have been hungering for this, and then instead of giving it to us, there's always going to be strings. And unfortunately, I can't get as hyped for the live-action Titans project because they are so quick, go out front, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this. And seldom do we get an adequate payoff. Back to you, AfroNerd. Yeah, um, well, I mean, listen. There's a, there's a lot of things going on with this Titans thing. Let me let me just kind of back things up again to our listening audience because I we have to go into teacher mode every once in a while. Um, we, we've mentioned the the new Team Titans or the ti- Team Titans IP uh, on a number of occasions. The comic book coming out in 1980. Actually, uh, the original Titans predates that, going into the uh, Silver Age of 1960s. Basically, they are the sidekicks of the major heroes. Where there's there's Batman as Robin, there's Flash as Kid Flash, there's 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 Wonder Girl to Wonder Woman. You get the you get the the reference. So with Titans though, Titans is actually the Teen Titans, but more of the millennial bent of the Teen Titans. They're no longer teens; they're maturing. So we should be seeing Nighthawk, Nighthawk. Pardon me, Nightwing. We should we should be seeing even even Kid Flash in this. That that, that might be interesting. Uh, let's talk about that. Will we see Wally West? from the flash make an appearance on this digital service. Um, that's interesting. Which Wally also... West? <laughs> there we go. Which well, Wally West? Remember, there's well, not two of them. Well, I said from the, the flash from the CW. Okay. So we haven't, right. we haven't, well, you know, Hey, we haven't seen, we, 
we haven't seen any uh, any other iteration of Kid Flash on the CW. So, hey, you you know, you you may be onto something, but that's more in the comic book world. Right now, I'm just going by what we see on television. No. So, okay. So anyway, and again, you you may be onto something. I don't know how that's going going to work, but they've also opened up the notion that we might see uh, this this Titans property opening things up to the DCEU where it might be a a Luke Cage, Jessica Jones move where, I mean, this might be just wishful thinking, but that's what I've been seeing online, that this might be a way to, to kind of move things into merging that. I I don't know how that's possible, but that's what I've been hearing. So that's why I think people are, are, are kind of excited about this thing. So what are your thoughts about, about that being a possibility? Well, again, I, I said you, you. It is foolish not to have the connections anymore, and they've worked hard to deny said connections. I mean, it's only a good business model to have it tie in to to what you're going to do on TV or, excuse me, streaming service. The problem is now. If, if you remember last week's show, we were talking about how they talking about doing a flashpoint with the movies, and then you're going to do this TV show tied into what? The movies you're about to flashpoint out of or crisis out of? Or, you know, it, it, it's where they've, they tried to go three steps ahead, then take two steps back, then take a half tentative step forward to take another two steps back to leave the fans, industry professionals, comic book writers, and everybody just scratching their head like, so exactly, once again, what was your plan to begin with? You know, they just need to hold their horses on the future, like, promotion. Promote what you got coming on the here and now. And as that's playing, then you lay uh, plans in, as that's going on, you lay plans for what you're going to do in the future. Don't come up with an idea, scream it to the high heavens everywhere so everybody says, sees you say these things, and then not either A, plan it correctly, hi Batman, I see you there with Affleck, B, not deliver, High Static Shock, High Milestone, yeah, yeah, that's it. Or C, give us an underwhelming product. High Suicide Squad, High Batman <laughs> versus Superman, high. But again, I've said these points to death. Claire has said these points to death. Hell, Captain's nearly laughed himself to death. You know, it. it's just... They're not a billion-dollar company for nothing. But the way they're treating their intellectual properties makes you wonder, so how did you earn multi-billions again? This is your business model? Nah, nah, nah. So I'm hoping I get a great Titans show. I'm a Titans fan. Can't say I'm a Titans diehard fan anymore, but I'm a Titans fan. If they do the show well, I'll be watching. But the problem is, 
that's where my confidence in them is right now. It's just ebbing with the tide. They just need, they need something to hit and then build from it. And unfortunately, the way they're planning all of this is making you go, uh, what was your guys' plan again? Back to you, Afrinerd. You know something else, too, and I want Claire to kind of chime in on this as, as well. You know, because this is going to be put on a digital subscription service, you know, CW has the – CW already has the CW Seed. Hell, I even downloaded the app. So you have CW Seed, which I think is not this digi- digital subscription service. Then you have CBS. Who knows? And we may talk about this also. Um, this Star Trek Discovery debacle. All these plans to move into a Netflix model that coexists with the conventional television thing. And then also uh, another topic that we have listed with these shows that are maybe on, on the uh, on the um, cancellation list. I mean, if you have what, what is the what is the plan? What is the, the, the exit strategy? I mean, what are we doing with all these different subscription services, digital ways of looking at, at uh, media, and we still cancel shows that get multi-million views. I mean, if uh, I'm actually starting to dig, maybe to the chagrin of my co-discussants, APB. I kind of like APB, and APB is probably not going to come back for next season. Uh, but it, I think it has maybe, I don't know, two and a half million viewers. Uh, why not have something that something like that on a subscription service versus – you know, Fox that where Fox needs to have I don't know six or seven million people looking at these programs. I mean, what 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 is the end game, Claire? If if, if you're going to develop these ideas and then quickly put them into a digital subscription service, that I don't see how people are going to be able to afford all this this media or even have the time to look at it. I just you know, and I know we've had this conversation before. I just find it so so irritating that you know for a show like Star Trek Discovery it's not as though you're it's not as though you're trying to you know experiment and you know give this whole you know streaming you know CBS all access subscription media you know whatever more more content like you're you're trying to build your own library as Netflix and Hulu and Amazon are this is different. This is different. Star Trek is a legacy in and of itself. And so the continuation of it should be handled with care and respect. There is a reason why Star Trek has, has existed for, for 50 years, over 50 years, you know? So I think that's where I'm just – and I know I'm not the only one who's upset. That's why I don't understand – what this strategy is because clearly they don't have their stuff together. They want to keep talking about how, oh, look, we cast this person and we cast this person. We got, we got women. We got minorities. We got all the, we got a gay character. Look at us. Aren't we so progressive? Yeah, okay, but you've delayed the show for about a year. I mean, what's going on? Like, you keep talking about how, oh, it's going to be on at this this certain time, and it's going to be certain. Eh, eh, eh. No, no, no. You've already delayed 
delayed the show two or three times, and now you refuse to give us any date of release whatsoever. You're not ready. You guys aren't ready. You don't know what you're doing. You don't take it seriously. All you have is this loose idea that, oh, yeah, we're going to put together a new Star Trek. We're going to put the pilot on CBS and then put the remaining uh, rainy episodes streaming only, you know, subscription only, which means, what is that, like eight bucks a month, which I still cannot fathom. I still cannot fathom how you would try to compete with Netflix, Amazon, or Hulu, you know, for a comparable price, roughly like $8 or so ish i think netflix is going up but why why would you even dare try to compete especially price-wise when you don't have the variety or selection of content like i don't get it i don't get it that's why for me anything anything that's not you know for the hardcore cbs audience you know anybody that doesn't feel like watching big bang theory for the umpteenth time or watching their newer stuff, um, that uh, the, the Good Wife, you know, spinoff, whatever, you know, anybody that's not already built into that audience who watches CBS shows regularly, I mean, who's going to want to do that? Who's going to want to do that? I mean, really. And they're banking on hardcore Star Trek fans to shell out that money and, and, and binge through those episodes and and then they can go from there to decide if they want to renew for another season but again i just feel like this is not the time this is not the way to to carry this property forward by relegating it to streaming you know i'm just i'm so i'm so irritated by it i'm so irritated by it of course my attitude would be different obviously if it was to be released on Hulu or or Netflix, because obviously there's a much broader base in terms of the subscribers, including myself. And I just, I just feel like it's already a bad sign that they've lost the showrunner. You know, they've delayed, delayed the delay, and and they're not really. They keep. They're evasive. They're evasive upon interviews of like, okay, so when do you think we can see some stuff? It's like, oh, well, we're, you know, we, we believe in this show and, and the fans, and we're just not going to release it until until we're ready, okay, which is never. I mean, it's like a unicorn, you know. It's mythological. We've all heard of Star Trek Discovery. We all know what it is in theory, but there's no evidence that it's actually real or ever going to be. So I don't know. I don't know. In terms of all the other shows that are in and out, in and out, and you have no idea of really gauging why this show gets canceled and this show gets saved, especially when you really break down the numbers, because you would be surprised. You would be surprised how many times a show gets canceled that actually had better ratings than other shows that stay on the air. And the question is, how, how does that happen? How does that happen? Well, different networks have a different threshold for what they require in terms of audience numbers and ratings to be considered a hit or to be considered successful. 
Well, obviously CW. Obviously CW doesn't have the same requirement of viewership that CBS does. That was one of many reasons why the switch from CBS to CW was so obvious for Supergirl, because it should have been on CW in the first place. Anyway, I digress. Someone was telling me uh, recently that he gave a great example, by the way, great example, the show Girls, Lena Dunham. I can't stand her, so I don't watch the show, okay? I have never seen the show. As of this most recent season, they're only pulling in roughly 680,000 viewers. They haven't even broken like a million. Not even a million, okay? Nowhere near, nowhere near other HBO properties, nowhere near, obviously, Game of Thrones, which is their, their current flagship show. Why has the show been on the air then? How did it survive? How is it that Jane the Virgin or even, you know, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend survived when they had pretty bad numbers even by CW standards? They were very weak. They've always been on the bubble. Why does it stay on the air? Because there's nothing like it on television. It drives the conversation forward. It's, it's water cooler talk the next day. It's, it's something that you don't really see that often, first of all. And on top of that, and very important, each of those women, Lena Dunham, Gina Rodriguez, and that other chick, I apologize, I forgot her name, the one that's always singing and dancing. Oh, Ra- Rachel, Rachel Bloom. They have won awards, okay? They've won accolades. They've won respect. The show has a lot of uh, integrity, you know? Because, again, you don't see a musical. You don't see um, a, a, a telenovela. You don't see a raunchy show from a, um, a, a young millennial's point of view in New York. You don't really see those things that often. So that's why there's, there's some sort of saving grace. Even though the numbers aren't that great, it moves the conversation forward. So, therefore, they're spared the acts, and they get to stay another day. Politics. Politics is a big one. We talked about this before with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Many times, many times, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., especially on a huge network like ABC, should have been canceled. There have been many times in which the ratings for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. were so bad, it should have been canceled. So again, negotiations. It's like, okay, we're going to cancel Agent Carter because it's already pretty expensive to, you know, it's a pretty high cost to maintain that even for an eight-episode arc because time, you know, period pieces always are with costumes and old cars and, you know. So we're going to get rid of that. But we've talked about this for for a long time now, haven't we, that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is an ongoing advertisement of the MCU. It is that little in-between glue that holds together some of the major plot points between the movies. Hence the reason why the, the, the show in, in of itself didn't even go anywhere, didn't even really take off until after Winter Soldier, when 
shield collapsed and everything turned on its head and, and then it had something to do, you know. But there were many times when it should have been cut from the air, but Disney owns Marvel, Disney owns ABC politics. So, yes, I do think it's kind of strange when you really dissect some of these shows that stay on the air versus the ones that get canned, even though they were actually doing okay. There was a lot of potential, and maybe there was even better ratings overall, but did it drive the conversation forward? Did it get a lot of um, hits on social media? Were there a lot of hashtags? Were there a lot of live tweets? live discussions about the show. Regardless of ratings, are people talking about it? And unfortunately, that's a huge deciding factor for advertisers. So well, I hear what you're saying uh, in terms of your list, and it confuses me too, so go, go, go ahead. I, I got to say this quickly. Um, we're going to go to a quick groove also, but before, before that, um, you know, cable is on, on the decline, obviously. And I just feel this is some kind of uh, insidious way, or maybe not so insidious. Maybe it's a very blunt way of just getting getting those monies back in some some way. Uh, Dow, I'm going to ask you this, and then we're going to go to a groove. Would you prefer, and maybe this is going to happen? I don't know. Would you prefer an a la carte, nerd centric television programming? Like, just put all this all this stuff that you and you and me dig, and give us our own channel. Is that where we're really going to? Because I can't I would see. Love- it. I can't see paying $8 for CBS and then another $5 for Amazon or, or whatever. I mean, if, if you start to calculate all of these, these, um, these digital subscription services, we're back to cable again. I would love it, but we saw what happened with G4. That was the channel for nerds, by nerds, and then within three years, they sold out to corporate entities, and we got stuff that wasn't nerd programming on it. And then a year later, it was done. <laughs> you know? It always happens. We get our streaming services, stuff like that. This is made for for nerds, geeks. We're going to have gaming. We're going to have horror. We're going to have uh, cartoons, animated shows. We're going to have... What's that? We're having soap operas on here? What's that? We're having reality TV on here? What's that? We're we're having infomercials on here starting at 1 o'clock in the morning and going till 7? Uh, why, why are we... Isn't this supposed to be a nerd channel? See, that's the problem. That's the problem. Business Business often craps on nerd dreams. And I, I unfortunately think that's what would happen. Back to you, Afrinan. I see our friend Black Ronan. He, he says it, and, and I have to concur. He's, he says all you need is Cody. Uh, for those who are in the know, they know what Cody is. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, let's get into it. I already dismantled my, my cable box, and I have a Cody set up myself. Anyway, let's get into it. This is Alabama Shakes, the great Brittany Howard. Uh, Darrell, was uh, did Alabama Shakes ever do Afropunk? I think they did, didn't they? Yes, two years ago, I believe. Okay, we need to see them again. Anyway, this is Shoe Gaze. Shoe Gaze. We'll be right back. More groove. Can't wait for not to go. 
All right. The mighty Brittany Howard, Shoe Gaze, Alabama Shakes. This is, you know what time it is, the Grindhouse edition of Afternerd featuring Captain Kirk, Claire Linnae, and, of course, the Uncanny Daryl B., and yours truly. Uh, the call-in number, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. All right, moving things forward once again. We spoke about this before, but now it is official. The, the mighty M. Night Shyamalan is no longer on my S list. <laughs> I mean, well, let me, let, me, let me retract it a bit because the debacle that is Avatar may forever have him on my S list. But there's room for improvement, and that's with Split, which I believe was about $9 million to, to, to make this movie. And it's in the hundreds of millions in box office, so he's in he's in fine standing with Hollywood. You know, it's very funny that if you have one, well, he's had he's had a number of misses, but if you come up with something that is very profitable, they're very forgiving, and they'll they'll really lay out the the, the carpet, the red carpet for you. So, um, at the end of Split, there was this shock ending that laid way for a a connection to his his earlier hit Unbreakable with Bruce Willis, Sam Jackson, which was definitely I'd say one of those movies that might have been yeah, I could say it was a harbinger to come when it came down to comic book movies. It was a a real world comic book movie. And uh it looks like Split is the sequel to Unbreakable, if not in the same universe, and it is official, it is official that there's going to be an Unbreakable 2. So, um, what are your thoughts about this, Daryl? And, and before you answer, I must say this, and I said this to the captain, if there were ever a reason for DC to, find, to, to, to get a clue on how to lay a... Uh, to lay the groundwork for a multi-layered universe, an interconnected universe, without trying to be like Marvel, they should follow his lead. I thought what he did was so masterful, so so much about what he was about when he first came first came into the scene. You know, when you think about signs and all these his earlier works, um, I liked the way that you really didn't know what you were looking at until it actually kind of was put in your face. It didn't broadcast, hey, guess what? We're an interconnected universe. It was very subtle. So what are your thoughts about, about this actually being a, 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 a finalized, confirmed thing? And what do you think about maybe DC should have, went to, should have gone this route with not being so um, declarative with, hey, we're, we're not like Marvel, but we are, we are like Marvel. Your thoughts? Um, first, congratulations to M. Knight on, on getting it. We, we speculated about it. It happened. Uh, secondly, here's the thing, and here's the thing that people don't get when, when they make the comparison. Unbreakable was great. Split was very good. So you're, 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 you're building off a great movie and a very good movie. It's natural. The the connection wasn't forced, all right? So you could 
you could actually see how that connection is made if you saw the two movies. Right? Now, M. Night, did, did he mean to do that? Who knows? That was it originally planned that way? Who knows? That's only between M. Night and the writers. But, I mean, I've joked about how M. Night's been clueless in the past, but I can't lie, that that scene was dope. And I was like, oh, shit, S-word. You know, like, I mean, nobody, if you had a love for Unbreakable and you saw that scene in Split, yeah, and you didn't go, oh, my God, oh, and, and go like, dude, I, oh, oh, I can't tell you, just go see Split now, you know? Of course, you, you have a few a-holes that are friends that ru- ruined it for you, but... But that's the type of excitement this is supposed to be. <laughs> Again, it's going to sound like I'm going to hate on them, but I'm going to have to say it this way. From the beginning, DC has treated it like, oh, this is a chore. We don't want to do the extra work. Like a kid having to do extra studying. Oh, connected universes suck. We, we, we don't want to do all this work. We just want to make a movie. Why do, Why does the universes have to be connected? But this shows that for just what? An extra day of filming and 10, 11 extra lines? You increase the, the audience anticipation and the speculation for your product. And if the passion is there and the speculation is there, hello, they're giving you free advertising for the next movie by coming like, well, did you see that? Yeah, how could they possibly do that? Well, here's my theory. Well, oh, oh, God, what? That that can't be. And you, the buzz is still there, just like Claire said. When in terms of girls and stuff, people hate the hell out of uh, Lena Dunham and certain things. But see, here's the problem. You talk about her. You talk about the show. And people see that. Iron Fist. Iron Fist. Iron Fist. Everyone wanted to talk crap about Iron Fist, but y'all watched it. There it goes. And that leads to buzz. And buzz leads to hits. And hits leads to interest. And interest leads to, well, you know, we should really do this another movie now because everybody's talking about it. And and I think we can easily make yada, yada, yada dollars. So it was natural. It was beautiful. Hell, I've often said, and again, folks, I saw Slight. We'll get into it next week. But on that side, previous to Slight, it's in the vein of Push and Jumper. And I forget what the other one was. They had a movie before that. But I know they had Push, they had Jumper. And and it, it, and I often said that if someone was smart on that movie side, you would have made a connection and to show that well, this is an alternate hero universe. You know, we're not Marvel, we're not DC, we're not indebted to anybody. Thing can happen on this side and will. 
you know, push it like that, and you've created, oh, my God, look at this connected movie universe. Predator 2. Just by putting an alien head or Danny Glover discovering an alien head, we had years of fans speculating, when are we going to get an Aliens vs. Predator movie? When are we going to get an Aliens vs. Predator movie? We have to get an Aliens vs. Predator movie. We saw the head. And eventually, what? Seven years, eight years after the Predator 2, we got an Aliens vs. Predator movie. That's essentially what M. Night Shyamalan did here. It's ingenious, and it plays upon all the the stereotypes and all the best things about being a nerd. Because once we saw that scene, we were like, they can't just let it die here. We we gotta we gotta see continuation. This gotta continue. Will they get all the actors back for the movie? Will there be a movie? We gotta have a movie. When is the movie? Well, now we're gonna get the Unbreakable Two slash Split Two slash Split Unbreakable or an Unbreakable Split. We're getting the movie now. So hey, M Night, it worked. Back to you, Afrinerd. Yeah, just for our Okay, go ahead. One quick thing. One quick thing. I just want to mention this for informational purposes. The tentative, the tentative title for Unbreakable Two, Glass, just simply called Glass, which again is kind of masterful because you had Unbreakable, you had Split, now you have Glass. So kudos to Mr. Shyamalan, Captain. Well, what everyone has to understand, Afterner and Mister probably loads this, but the uh, <clears throat> we'll say it anyway. During the time when Unbreakable came out, 2000, that was a $75 million budget. And the superhero, quote-unquote, thing wasn't off and running as yet. So timing is very, very important. So let's say if he had done this four years afterwards, if he was allowed to four years afterwards, would it have worked? Maybe not. Maybe it would have. Maybe it would have. So we're in 2017 now. Timing is very important. So you have to give him credit. Hand out Visa MasterCard again to M. Night Shyamalan. And I'm there with Daryl B. Saying, I had written him off. I was like, hey, get out of here, man. (laughs) That's where I was with him. But I have to give him credit because timing is everything. That movie was probably too early. $75 million to make it. Allegedly. Theoretically, that movie was probably too early. Right now, he's right on time. So good luck to him. Back to you, Afrinerd. Yeah, um, I, I got to say this one thing, uh, and then I'm going to pass the mic around, and we're going to get into something else. But I, I really believe that, uh, and this is something I've experienced, I'm pretty sure that my co-discussants have, ex- have experienced this as well, people that are somewhat brainy, somewhat intellectual, have an intellectual slant, they're somewhat nerdy, dare I say nerdy, they're not necessarily well-liked people. What does this have to do with, with glass and split? Um, the mighty patent Oswald had pretty much put out this, for all intents and purposes, he did this online. He pretty much put out a, a treatment. He, he put out a uh, his view on how this was supposed to go down. He went into a, he went into a legendary nerd proposal online about this is what we should do with Unbreakable. 
and now we see that it has come to fruition. And this is something that you start to see repeatedly that with people this goes into my prior my prior Prince rant. I'm gonna bring him into it. When people are kind of on the ball and know how this works and they're able to actually expound and expand on an idea, they don't like to listen. It's, it's, it is a constant thing of always having to, I told you so with people. This, this nerd thing, we've been, we've been in this nerd space for many years. Uh, we've been relegated to Friday night, Daryl, <laughs> for many years. And now... We have arrived miraculously. Everyone wants to be a nerd now. Uh, but we still have vestiges of, of, of people with their thoughts, these, these terrific ideas, and it's, it's always, always the trope of trying to explain it. They don't get it, and then it's always the last-minute thing. So I just, I'm just reminded that Patton Oswalt went into this legendary rant about an Unbreakable sequel. And I said, hey, you know, I listened to him and said, hey, that sounds pretty cool. But if you go into, into, into the money men, if you go into the suits, they don't get it. They won't get it. And I'm thinking about how this DC thing could have really been something special if they actually went into a think tank with some brainy types. They could have figured a way to get, figured a way to get around the Marvel machine. And I, I would have preferred to have really seen a DC movie. that They literally overthought it. There was so much of that. How do we do Marvel? How do we do Marvel without being Marvel? All they had to do was just be matter of fact about it. Um, the split going into the um, into glass, the split going into glass was done like Daryl just said. It was like, okay, we're just going to have a day shoot. We're just going to make this connection without it really being a, a an overthought thing. It's uh, Bruce Willis in a diner making a comment about what had just transpired in the movie. Boom. They're in the same universe. If if um, Bruce Wayne had happened to see Superman doing something very simple, they could have done this online, matter of fact. I mean, if they, want, if they could have done a whole online viral thing to make the connection with some of these heroes instead of the way that they did it with Batman versus Superman being this over-the-top mess, this over-the-top funeral procession, they overthought it. If they had done this in any way like Shyamalan had done some of what he's been doing now. We would have been in a, we would have been a totally different space. It would have been a lot more. It would have been money for for DC. It would have gotten the suits would have gotten what they wanted, and the nerds would have gotten what they wanted, and the studio audience would have gotten what they needed. I'm just saying, stop taking craps on the folks that have a little bit of smarts. That's all I'm gonna. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> that's it. Maybe maybe I'm speaking too too personally, but it, it's something about. The folks that kind of know a little something, they're not necessarily well-liked people. Shout out to Obama. <laughs> Obama wasn't necessarily well-liked, but now you, now you have a dum-dum in the White House, and we might be going to war, but, you know. <laughs> it's just a coincidence that it's 100 days a- after this man left the office, and now all hell's broken loose. But, you know, but he's making sure to charge. About. He's making sure to charge the guys that put that guy in office. 400k to hear me speak so he's getting his revenge and he's getting paid yeah but he's got to be alive to get paid for that <laughs> it may be all for naught if we go to if we go to uh, some kind of nuclear confrontation with north korea i'm just saying you know we'll see how it works out let me get past my wakanda story 
please, please. Anyway, um, going further into our topics, and again, folks, it's the Grindhouse. It's warm. You can call in. We won't bite you. 646-915-9620. 646-915-9620. And, and actually, I know how Claire feels for a change, uh, our, our resident Californian. Uh, we ha- what is it, Daryl? Is it like around 80-something in New York? It's pretty warm. Eighty-three today. degrees. That yeah. was the high today. <laughs> nice. That, that, glo- that global warming that that uh, the troglodytes in office they they say that doesn't happen. It's it's eighty degrees in in April. Okay. <laughs> Again, the scientists they don't know what they're talking about. All those degrees and all those big words and stuff. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's go let's go deeper into uh, some of this, these topics. Um, Robert Zemeckis. Ah, more DC. DC's going to DC. You know, again, I love The Flash. Folks, I just went into this whole long thing at the top of the show about how I've been, I was introduced into comic books from the character. Why, why, how is it that Afro nerd of all people that I'm not, and I'm even speaking in a third person, which I hate doing, <laughs> how, I, how I am not geeked over a Flash movie, but I could care less. I, I like Dash the cartoon character, I like Dash better on film than Flash might be on film. That's telling you something. That running water sequence in, in uh, the, impo- the Incredibles, pardon me, The Impossible, The Incredibles was great. Um, Robert Zemeckis, I, you know, listen, I, maybe it's a no-brainer for him to do The Flash. Uh, Claire, you know, you know about this guy's work. I mean, he's a legend. Uh, this is a time travel story, in, in essence. Maybe, maybe his, he's that dude, but DC going to DC? So I, I'm not as excited as I really should be. It's, it's way too many people not doing this film that's, that's causing disinterest. What, what's your impressions of Zemeckis potentially helming a Flash movie? Well, I don't know if that story is moot at this point because it's already been released um, that Zemeckis is planning on having, you know, he's doing another movie, you know, which is a, technically, theoretically, along the same timeline as a Flash movie would be expected to begin production. So it's already kind of like, oh, well, if he's already doing this, then it's unlikely that he'll be doing that. But, but... Nothing is set in stone, okay? And the problem is, is that since they can't get, again, they just can't get it together. Now, can they? Ooh, they just can't get it together. Now it's like for all the things that we were so excited about, the things that we knew, oh, yeah, for sure we're going to get the Flash. We're going to get the Batman. Yeah, we're going to get. Now, now, the way things are going, people wanted to leave the project having to invite someone new to the project, rewrite the script from page one. Now this producer doesn't want to do Okay, all right, all right. It's gotten to the point where we might see Green Lantern before Flash, before Batman, you know, because Green Lantern we already knew was on the periphery. We already knew it was on, you know, schedule for 2020, but now the way things are going, it might end up being the same thing with Batman and Flash. Honestly. So technically, that because of that delay, 
And because of the, the rigmarole and the changing of the guards over and over again for directors and writers, it could be that we might end up, you know, with someone like Robert Zemeckis taking on the, the, the production, but just not until after he's done doing his own thing. Same thing for Matt Reeves. Warner Brothers is like, okay, Matt, we're, we want to make you happy. We're going to give you creative control, and, and uh, we'll pay you what you want. And please, please, we beg you. We beg you to stay on the Batman. He's like, yeah, okay, well, I get final cut. I get this much money, and you let me finish my Planet of the Apes movie. So it might, it could be the same thing where they might end up going to a Zemeckis or some other, you know, very well-respected, you know, name and say, hey, we'll give you whatever you want. We're desperate. We're so desperate. Please, please direct this movie. And then they'll say the same thing. I want creative control. I want final cut. I want this much money. And you have to let me finish the movie that I'm already scheduled to work on. So that being said... Let's just say, let's just say Batman and Flash don't come out until 2019, 2020, and we get, you know, a Matt Reeves or a Zemeckis on board. I'm okay with it. I mean, it's an interesting choice, I guess. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Just because a director is very well experienced and respected, they have that prestige from a very long list of credits, a very strong resume. The reason why, the reason why those guys usually stay away from these types of comic book movies, yes, for the longest time it's because they didn't take them seriously. Nobody did, right? But it's also now, more recently, because because once you get locked in, you're part of the cinematic universe. That's the reason why you end up losing an Edgar Wright, who was developing Ant-Man for like eight or nine years. You know, But the problem is, eight or nine years go by, and all these movies have come out you know, forging this, this, this story, and your, your movie, your chapter, has to be in alignment with what we've already laid out in the foundation. Some directors don't like that. Ava DuVernay, she was offered Black Panther, as you well know. But like other directors that kind of, you know, creative differences or they decided to refuse the job or it's like not a good fit because they realize that while the opportunity may be huge to be part of a big-budget film with a huge audience built in and an enormous support system, Disney Marvel, you know, in terms of production, distribution, everything, the price you have to pay might be a little too high if you have your own ideas as to what you want to do with the story. You know, same thing with Michelle McLaren. Michelle McLaren is a fantastic TV director. She's directed episodes of, uh, of uh, I think, uh, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones. She's a very well-respected director. But when she was offered originally Wonder Woman, before they gave it to Patty Jenkins, 
she had the same problem with the studio. She had her ideas as to what the story should be. They had their ideas as to what the story should be. You know? So this is no different. This is no different. Especially when you're dealing with a big, big name director who's been doing this stuff for decades. I have a very hard time believing that a guy like Robert Zemeckis is going to be so willing to, you know, kowtow to Warner Brothers and to DC and follow whatever their lead is in terms of what this story needs to be and how they connect the dots and this leads to another and this movie leads to another and you have to just, you know, fall in line. I just have a hard time believing that someone of that stature in the business would be so willing to give up that level of power and control. That's why if you look at all 15 MCU movies, very few of those directors were names. Very few of them had a huge resume. Who, did, who were the Russo brothers before Winter Soldier? You know? Like, it's, that's, that's the only thing about this that I kind of find strange. Why are you reaching out to big-time directors? I mean, what does that tell you? What does that say? Does that mean that Warner Brothers is willing now? Is more willing to give up some creative control? I mean, I just, yeah, I don't know if I believe it. I just don't know if I buy it. That's all. Daryl, what are your impressions of Robert Zemeckis? I mean, you know, we all have fondness for the Back to the Future films, and again, it's somewhat in the same bailiwick with time travel. So on paper, it seems like it would be a natural fit. For some reason, it's a little off for me. For me, for me personally, I love Zemeckis, and we can't discount uh, his his status in Hollywood. But maybe because we're so accustomed to Marvel, you know, um, Claire just mentioned something that may really pique my interest is that we have these smaller, smaller directors that are making a, a name for themselves, and we're getting a taste of, you know, we're we're getting their talent for the first time. So when they're connected to these 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 uh, properties that are doing doing well. They are becoming names through Marvel. So we're knowing that through Marvel. Now you're bringing in someone like Snyder, Zemeckis. I feel that's a little off-putting. Am I looking at this in the wrong way? I mean, why should I be so caught up in, like, the name of the director for DC stuff when Marvel's doing, the, the, you know, the, the uh, Chael Hodari Coker for uh, Luke Cage, and they're doing great work being, you know, being kind of smaller level, at least initially small level. Well, let's put it this way. I'll be there to see the film just to see Batman go, well, Barry, it's, it's, your, it's your kids. you got to go to the future. <laughs> anyway. Okay. <laughs> All right. Zemeckis, yes, he did Back to the Future. That's cool. Um, what was the last good thing Robert Zemeckis did? Can you tell me offhand? I, see that that's again. This is the whole they've dug for themselves. They 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 went in fast, and it was um. Uh, who who was it? Who was the pre? Who was the first guy? Rick uh. uh for Flash. From, and I wanted to see a younger take on it. You know, with the Flash, maybe he would have brought the fun. Maybe he would, and 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 once, 
Famiua said, I want to do the fun and stuff. You saw how quickly he was off the project, and then you hear, it has to line up with our vision for this. I'm like, no, no, no. Flash is different than what Batman is, and Batman is different than what Superman is. Part of the appeal of a Justice League type thing is it's all different personalities and different feelings of these characters that have to come together and work together. Now, Zemeckis, he has the fun, serious thing down, but I'm just saying he hasn't done anything that was so relevant in the last five years. I mean... It, it's been a minute with Zemeckis. We're going back to Back to the Future with Zemeckis. Did, didn't Zemeckis do a couple of the Honey, I Shrunk the uh, in that series too? You know? It, 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 I mean, he's great with science and, and the his, uh, hysterical like mistakes that could come from science. But DC is at a point where they don't want to be hysterical. Pardon me. DC's at a point where, oh, fun. Uh, we don't need fun up in, you know, they, they, and that's on DC sticking the viewpoint. Uh, do I have faith that Zemeckis, if everything goes right, will make a blockbuster of a film? Yes. The problem is, when it comes to them, not everything has gone right. <laughs> and. And whether it be promotion, whether it be final product, whether it be tone, it, everything has seemed off. So something that looks like a dream project here doesn't come off as feeling like one. You know, we we could cross our cross our fingers. We can hope, but and in that but there's there there's giant asterisks and. Flashing neon lights of warning, you know. It's just further proof that this is another project where they talked a big game, but in the end, they didn't have a plan. Back to you, Alfredo. Quickly, just on Zemeckis. Um, Zemeckis is kind of a difficult character to, to, to pigeonhole because he's definitely in the nerd space. And a lot of his hits, I mean, listen, he had some monster hits in the 80s and early 90s. If you go down his filmography, I'm looking at some of the stuff that he's been uh, connected to. Um, Romancing the Stone mm-hmm. with, uh, with, with, with the future Ant-Man. Okay. Uh, Back to the Future sequels you know about. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Rabbit. Robert, Rabbit. Pardon me. Roger Rabbit. Uh, Forrest dude. Gump. Forrest mm-hmm. Gump. Bordello of Blood. Now, that's, for, that's going into nerd space. Uh, House on Haunted Hill, nerd space, right? Um, What else is here? Contact. So he's had some stuff. The last, but you're correct, like Wheel Wheel Steel made money, but, I mean, you know, that's a nerd space, but that's also Wolverine was in that, Hugh Jackman. But the real, the the last real movie he did, which was, you you can't discount it, but your timeline is correct, was Flight, Denzel Washington's Flight. So, which was an excellent film, but that was—you're right. It was five years ago, so uh, he may—he may be hungry to kind of get back into the game. But I don't know if Flash is it because there's so much. I don't know how to call it. I don't know. I can't call what's going on with DC. And the shocking thing about that is, 
flight is five years old. Does that yeah. tell you time is moving fast? Yeah. Because <laughs> it feels more of a new, newer film to me than that. Yeah, even even you brought up Contact. Contact is what eight years old now. Uh, contact's older. You know, t- try twenty. <laughs> oh damn! You know, yeah, there not, it goes. Not, <laughs> time time's just uh, just slipping, and not even slipping. Ninety seven. We're, we're we're getting boost to gold here. Like really, I was supposed to be back like yesterday. It's ten years later. But yeah. hey, it's apropos yeah, when we're discussing the Flash. Um, Cap, any thoughts about Zemeckis doing? I mean, you, you you can speak on the business side, and you know you know what he what his name no. brings to a product a project. But uh, you know he he, he Daryl's on to something, man. It's been a minute for Zemeckis. Well, DC has Marvel on their brain. That's it. I said it before. This is the umpteenth time we're talking about this, man. Yeah, they reacted, yeah. and they're very self-important. Let, let's be honest. When you have Batman and you have Superman as your properties, you are a god. Don't act so self-important. Realize what you have, and just take your time and just go, okay, this is what we're going to do. They have the two biggest properties ever, and they have a problem getting their act together, as Claire said. You know, they have a problem getting it because they have Marvel on their brain. Oh my God, Marvel, Marvel, we got, we got, we got, we got, we got this, we got, we got this, we got this store. Well, the properties are so big, we just have to throw it out. We got, you know, there's not really much to do. I know I'm making it sound easy. It's not that easy. Making movies are very difficult, but it's already built in. Follow the storyline. You have the two biggest properties, and let's go. What does Marvel do? Marvel goes, Nah, you big time director. You're going to tell us what to do. Nah, give me this little startup guy. He's going to fall. Here's the paradigm. You can move five degrees this way. You move five degrees this way. Other than that, if you go more than that, we're shutting you down. All right? You good? Here. Boom. Let's go. Shoot the movie. Oh, excellent part. Cut, cut, cut. Edit, edit, Put music in the middle. There you go. Everyone's going crazy. There you go. There you go. And people have complained about it. They say Marvel doesn't really allow directors to have creative, you know, you know, creative ability in the movies. People have complained about that. You know, there's some of that was said. We don't know if it's true because we're not there with the director, but some people have said that. But Marvel knows what they're doing as far as the movies are concerned. That's it. DC is DC, and that's it. Back to you, Afro Nerd. Uh, I want to take another break. Um, when we get back, I want to go into something that's, that's very exciting. Um, and again, you know, I, we're trying our hardest not to necessarily come off like Marvel, Marvel stands. Let me repeat. We're trying our best not to be Marvel stands, but it's working out that way. Again, sticking to the mythology. Shout out to Daryl B. We see that Sylvester Stallone, who at first I was a little, uh, I gave a side eye to Sylvester. And I like Stallone, but I wasn't sure about his fit in the Marvel Universe. But <laughs> it looks like Sly knows how to expand and expound on his worth. Uh, Daryl, you know about the original Guardians of the Galaxy, circa 1969. Um, uh, Star, is it Starhawk? Starhawk is one of the characters. I think you think he's playing Starhawk. Is that correct? Stuckar, yeah. Right. So I'm not going to go in, into it. We'll, we'll expound after the break. But it looks like we might be seeing an offshoot 
of the Guardians mythology with Sly Stone, and it might work. <laughs> so uh, I'm here. I've been hearing some things a week preceding the release of Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm very intrigued, and it stays in line with the Marvel mythology. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway. Quickly, two minutes, and then we'll get back to the discourse. This is the Grindhouse. This is Wax Taylor with once again Lee Fields doing his James Brown impression. Anyway, the road is rough, and boy is it. We'll be right back. Let's groove. Got nothing to trust.
Listen, you're a man who works out, Wakandan extraction. I have been told that once I hit the weights, things start to happen. I'm back in the gym, full throttle, sir. You'll be seeing me tomorrow. I listened to the lyrics of that record. I want our, our listening audience to be very keen about what I play and why I play certain things. Uh, again, that was Wax Taylor and... Um, featuring Lee Fields, and Lee Fields was dubbed as the little JB, and it's unmistakable that he, he, he sounds a lot like James Brown. And, uh, you know, the, <laughs> when you listen to the lyrics, I mean, you know, we're listening to Nick Noggery. That's my own, our own private word instead of the actual N-word. We listen to Nick Noggery on um, conventional radio. When you listen to the lyrics of that song where he says, get off of your knees, you can do it. Uh, the road is rough is obviously the name of the song. It takes a lot of tenacity. Can you imagine that kind of messaging on repeat? Now, that's the type of stuff we should be listening to in our gym. I am getting back in shape. Things are going to happen. But I'm just saying, why can't we hear that kind, of, that kind of stuff instead of like Percocet every five seconds? Shout out to Future. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. Clearly. That's just me kind of that's my stream of consciousness. Well, you want me to comment on that? Yes, man. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'd rather hear Percocet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, it's a good some record. of us do. You're playing some, some you're playing do. some good music there. <laughs> but listen, get up off of your knees, you can do it. It takes a lot of tenacity. <laughs> Afro nerd. I think I heard Afro nerd that damn lyrics. <laughs> Six two two twenty now two sixteen. Things are happening, sir. Anyway, six four six nine one five nine six two zero again. Six four six nine one five ninety six twenty. This is the Grindhouse. My discussants in arms are in full effect. The uh, mighty Claire Lene, the uncanny Daryl, being of course Captain Kirk, um, Sylvester Stallone. Who, who, in an advanced age, I listen, that's another reason why I'm back in the gym. Because if you see his video on YouTube, this guy, I mean, he's had some, some, some chemical additives, undoubtedly. I believe he was caught on a plane coming from Australia, but I'm going to forget about that. Guy's in phenomenal shape. But I wasn't so sure about his involvement. Uh, you know, part of me is kind of feeling the tango and cash. Possible uh, potential reference in Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm talking about um, what's his face? Why do I forget his name from the DC from the uh, Disney movies? Uh, Kurt Russell. It'll be it'll be interesting if those two are are allowed to mix it up. But uh, Daryl, you you must have some words on this that we're hearing that you know he his character was 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 fit with this this world and that. It, it looks like it's going to be uh, a way to kind of go into the, the the older Guardians of the Galaxy or the first team. Is, is that is, is what I'm hearing true? And is that is it actually possible we might see 
another Guardians that's separate from the this Guardians with well, Raccoon, you know, Rocky and all of them? Well, you, you never know. I mean, for for fans out there, the character supposedly that Stallone is playing is Stakar, a.k.a. Starhawk, who is a mainstay on the original Guardians team and also the Guardians team that was in the 90s by Jim Valentino, you know? Um, hell, I mean, the current, the current team already has the character Yandu, who looks much different than and who was an original Guardian, who looks much different in the movie version of himself than he does in the comic book. But it just goes to show... Marvel is like, hey, we have a whole bunch of cosmic characters. Let's throw this one. We're going to throw the all-time fans a bone. And, hey, we might open up a new revenue-like stream. Right. And and pull in another side of Marvel Cosmic to this this, rigmarole that we call the Marvel Film Universe or the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, it's genius because it doesn't close off anything. Pardon me. And the speculation gets podcasts and fans like us talking about it and builds up the buzz. And check what I said last segment. It is not hard. You get the fans talking about it. Okay, let's see if it's viable. They're all talking about it. Maybe that piques more interest to go and see it. And voila! More moolah. Yeah, right now, right now, Marvel on this side is playing the promotion game to a hilt, and 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 at the same time, they're not alienating anybody by doing it. They're not confrontational about doing it. Now, the thing they said about oh, there's going to be six after the credit scenes, you know. There, there's, there's, there's some ways you could kill the golden goose. But if those are entertaining, then guess what? Marvel would have to, to done it to us again. Uh, what, what is it, Captain? Marvel done did it. <laughs> 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 you know that that's the thing. I and and, and I, the the comic geek in me is is like. But really, it's not it's not the right time period. He shouldn't. But the film geek in me and the Guardians fan in me are like, I gotta see how they pull this off. I gotta see how they pull this off. I mean, we wondered who Stallone was going to be. This is true. Both both sides of me are going to be like, they actually done did it again. Back to you, Afrener. You know, something else, too. I'm going to pass the mic around, of course. Um, you know, there's talk about where does Marvel go with the phases? Because, you know, we're in the third going into the fourth phase. And at some point, they're going to have to get, give up on this phase thing. Uh, so that's, that's another thing that might be a reasoning with, with this Sylvester Stallone revelation. And then we have to take note that... Um, yeah, this is gonna. This might be. This might cut off the phases thing, but this might also, again, going back to to, to the uncanny and speculation with podcasters. What about the FF Fantastic Four? 
I mean, if we're going to have a cosmic line, I'm seeing folks that are, I don't know if they have, if they're clairvoyant themselves, but I'm seeing people that are saying with, with this kind of definitive thing, oh, well, this just, this just means that the FF, that they're coming. I mean, if they're, if they're going to ex- expand into a cosmic Marvel line, if you're going to do that, this pretty much sets us up for there to be a real quality Fantastic Four movie franchise. So I'm going to go to the captain and then to Claire. Cap, do you think that's feasible? That, you know, that if you're going to open up a cosmic line that you kind of have to have Galactus and Silver Surfer? I mean, you know, let's, let's, let's keep it 100 now, Marvel, if you're listening. <laughs> I want that would be the, that would would be the best way to do <laughs> That would be the best way to do things. That's what would make sense. The best way to do things. But at the same time, thus far, let's not discount Marvel. Even if they didn't do it that way, even if they didn't do it that way, you know, I really couldn't hate on Marvel at this given point based on their track record. But but that was that's what would make the most sense, going at it from that perspective. You know? So that's all I have to say about that, Sir Affleck. And, and, you know, you have a Captain Marvel... And you have an Adam Warlock potentially. Um, hell, uh, what, who's the character that um, Jeff Goldblum is playing? Claire, is that the Collector or not the Collector? Who's he? Who's he playing? Grandmaster. Grandmaster? The Grand, yeah, the Collector's brother, I think, in some in some mythologies. Uh, and Benito is going to be in there also, right? Benicio, Benito, Benicio. He's going to reprise his role. In Thor. No, uh, it, well, maybe in Thor, but I'm thinking in, uh... Oh, you mean well, Guardians. Right. He was in there uh, initially. I'm not sure, it, actually. I don't think I've seen him in any of the advertising. Uh, so what what are your impressions of this, A, there being a potential cosmic line if they go into, like, S- Stallone? There's already talk about Stallone being in the sequel. They're already looking at a sequel, obviously, for Guardians 2 but that we might see another version of the Guardians, like the way the Furious franchise might be splitting off, Guardians might be splitting off, and that, you know, I don't see how, I don't see how they're going to get around not using Marvel for Fantastic Four. We, we saw Sony using Spider-Man, Sony coming up, to, coming to Marvel uh, with Spider-Man, where money was being made, even though money was lost, Money was clearly being made still with a Sony Marvel property. There's no money coming by uh, with Fox and the FF. I'm, this is just common sense. I mean, you know, Claire, give me something. Well, there's a few to, different uh, things. To, um, like, we're talking about like four or five different things here. First, I would say the reason why the Fast and Furious franchise is considering a split is because they're realizing that, you know, the Rock. Oh, and by the way, The Rock. <laughs> Dwayne Johnson does not get along with Vin Diesel. Mm. Let me just put that out there right now, okay? Two guys, they they do not see eye to eye on on how they conduct themselves and their work ethic, and you can kind of tell, okay? You can kind of tell that they're not, you know, best friends. So already, I could already anticipate that these two 
massive uh, personalities, just I'm sorry, they're just Fast and Furious 8, 9, 10, whatever, there's just not enough room in the franchise for both of them, you know? That's just kind of, I can already see the ego, you know, the one-upmanship. I can already anticipate this a mile away. But a lot of people are saying that The Rock and Jason Statham were the most interesting aspects of the of the last installment. I have not seen it. I haven't even seen Seven. But the thing is, is that it that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me that these guys are kind of wanting to branch out and do their own thing and continue their own story because they know they can. They know they already have their own following. Whereas a lot of the crew, even the original crew, even the crew that's been there from the year 2000, you know, 2001, you know, they're kind of just there, be honest. So that makes sense to me. In this situation, in this situation, I would still believe that even though Sylvester and Kurt Russell and, you know, yeah, that's their names, for sure, their names, but they're old school names. They're not, they're not typically this generation's, you know, star. So, I don't anticipate that there's such a hurry to want to have a split between a different segment of the Guardians as well as the ones that we've already gotten to know. Because unlike The Rock and Statham, who kind of came onto the Fast and Furious franchise a little bit late in the game, but when they came on, they're already established. They're already names. They're already busy doing their own thing. Already a strong following. For... For Kurt and and Sylvester, as much as I adore those guys, and yes, yes, I was one of the few people that loved Tango and Cash, but I I don't see them trying to do the same thing, splitting off into their own segment of the uh, the Guardians franchise, simply because the bread and butter is with Star Lord and Rocket and Gamora and Drax. So, do I think that? Those guys will likely show up in Guardians 3? Of course. Sure. Why not? But splitting up the franchise, I don't anticipate that. I don't anticipate that to be such a guaranteed, you know, success or moneymaker or that there would be the same level of, of interest, like fever pitch interest that there is with, you know, <laughs> Fast and the Furious 8 which is made of almost a billion dollars in two weeks. That's crazy. I'm sorry, but that just makes me laugh. Um, as for the other thing that you're mentioning, which is the comparison to uh, – not comparison, I'm sorry, the uh, the reference to Fast and the Fear no, – uh, I'm mixing up my FF. Fantastic Four. I don't know. I really don't know. While it may seem like a natural progression, building the cosmic universe and having that in and of itself be a different line with which the Marvel thing starts to branch out, because let's face it, even Kevin Feige has said that now that the contracts are all beginning to expire 
with these lead guys, the lead money makers, Iron Man, Captain America. What happens when you when they're gone? What happens when you decide, okay, well, they're no longer part of this universe, or we are going to take, we're going to have a different actor, a different character take on the mantle. Would it be Sam Wilson? Would it be Bucky Barnes as the new Captain America? Would it be, you know, Riri Williams or whoever to take on, you know, Iron Man? I don't know. I don't know what they want to do. But that's why they're already kind of trying to figure out, is there going to be such a thing as Phase 4? Or is it going to be a whole new iteration where, we again, we start over? We start over. New actors, new story, new heroes, new everything. Who knows? They're still trying to figure that out beyond Avengers 4. The Fantastic Four thing, personally, I don't see it happening anytime soon. And it's not that Marvel isn't interested, but it's one of two things. It's one of two things. At this point, they don't need it. Their plate is already very full, that they don't need Fantastic Four. They don't really need it. They don't need X-Men. They don't need any of that stuff that once upon a time was considered their top properties that they had to, you know, that they had to give up because of bankruptcy and selling off their 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 A-list material to Fox and Sony. That is no longer the case. They don't need it. They've got so much going on. They are now at the point where they release three movies a year, which is insane. That's crazy. This year alone, we've got Guardians and then Spider-Man and then Thor. 2019, we've got Black Panther. We've got Avengers Infinity War. We've got, you know, um, oh, God, Ant-Man and the Wasp. And then 2020, we've got... Avengers 4, Captain Marvel, or whatever, 2019. I'm sorry, I'm mixing up all my years. So they don't need it. They're busy. They're busy as is. And it's not up to them. That's the major issue right now. That's, it's not really up to them, is it? Because Sony, Sony was willing to come to them with Spider-Man because they were desperate. They were in trouble. The, the money was, was coming in, but steadily on the decline, you know? After five movies, it just the, the the property was getting stale, and they were repeating the same thing over and over again with Uncle Ben, and the same you know spider you know radioactive spider bite, the same thing. And then when they had the opportunity to shake it up with Gwen Stacy, what do they do? They kill her off, because again they think no 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 we got to get Mary Jane, we got to get Mary Jane in here. It's like wh- why? We've already seen that. Why are you so hell-bent on doing the exact same thing again and again? So they were in trouble, and the hacking decimated the company structurally. So they were desperate. It was in their, it was in their, uh, it would behoove them, that's what I'm trying to say, in their best interests to go to Marvel with Spider-Man and partner up. As of right now, Fox is not quite that desperate. Fox is now is now bevied by um, Deadpool and Logan. They're holding it together because of that, because of the success of that, even though the X-Men franchise is, on again, on the decline. 
They got a revamp with New Mutants. They got a revamp with the Dark Phoenix, you know. But in terms of Fantastic Four, the contract stipulates that they have the year 2022. Yes, you heard me. 2022, seven years. They have seven years after the release of that debacle, Fantastic Four, in 2015. They have seven years to decide, do you want to hurry up and shell out another garbage movie, or do you want to let the, the rights to Fantastic Four default back to Marvel? So they, unfortunately, we don't have any real way of knowing what's going to happen until then, the year 2022. They have such a stink on that movie. I would find it hard to believe that they would that that would just be spiteful on a on a part of Fox. Spiteful, yes. Spiteful. Because because if it, there's no way someone's going to want to see a Fox produced Fantastic Four movie, um, and if there's any way to recoup losses and actually still be in the game with that property, you would probably common sense would dictate that you craft a deal not that different from the Sony deal. But if you don't want that and you don't like money and you want to be spiteful, I don't know many many businesses that are that spiteful on a personal level. It doesn't make any sense for them to let this thing lapse into 2022. I didn't know it was that much time. I mean, did did the Daredevil properties and and, uh, maybe it was that long. Did Daredevil and and Ghost Rider and uh, Blade, was it that much time that had to last before Marvel was able to get those properties back? Um, I think it. Each Maybe contract it is different. Each contract is different, and I think each contract might depend on like any sort of allowance for a sequel or trilogy, like a multi-picture deal. Because in theory, in theory, you could release a, a full trilogy within seven years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Ugh. Um, but right we- now. Not right now, the idea of anyone making a Fantastic Four sequel to that piece of garbage yes. in 2015 is laughable. Calling it garbage so right was now, kind. that's just going to lie dormant. <laughs> Calling it garbage was, cli- was kind. We got about seven minutes remaining. Um, quickly, uh, I will say one thing. Going back to to the uh, Warner Brothers, uh, I can't talk enough. And this is something that myself and the captain we talk about this and we laugh because it, it proves our point incessantly on this show that the animation wing and now the video game wing of Warner brothers slash DC, they seem to get these things, right. Uh, the injustice video game is being talked about. So with so much intensity, even the, the voice actors, I mean, many of the voice actors are from the animated world, but the, the, the power sets, the, the look of these characters, I mean, they really have the, the idiosyncrasies, down um, in the in the video game, where we see Dark Side, we see Flash, we see Cheetah, all these characters, the way they look, the way they act, the power sets, everything's on point for this Injustice Two. Now we're seeing more gameplay, we're seeing more trailers. Daryl, um, I know you say that you're not a gamer. I don't have enough time to be a real gamer, but I I do have the the video game consoles, and I, I, you better be uh, rest assured that I will be picking up Injustice 2, pre-ordering it. 
isn't this proving our case once again that even in the video game world, where you see, you know, Brainiac and all these people, all people, all these characters acting the way we want them to in a video game, and the look and and even some of the emoting that the the YouTube reaction videos. I mean, these really these YouTube reaction videos are off the chain with people in in, in orgasmic delight, <laughs> nerdgasmic delight about what they're seeing in a video game. What are your impressions of Injustice 2? It just goes to show that the animated and the video game wings capture the essence of the characters better than the live action. I mean, <laughs> and, it's, and, and again, it's a video game. So, so it's not quote-unquote real, and we got to stop using the term real, too. It, at the end of the day, these are all fictional characters. Right. It's real, Daryl. It's real. It's real. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> all real. It's a matrix. It's a matrix, Daryl. It's a video game. Everything. Uh, I I gotta go. I gotta go to my wrestling fan cycle. It's still real to me, damn it. You know. <laughs> but but here it is, an alternate universe. Okay, where everything is quote unquote darker. And they still have a better essence of these characters than the live action does. You know, uh, I, I, there's only so many times I could pound them today, but I will give them credit. I didn't think the Injustice games, when they first came out, I was like, okay, this is going to be a one and done. But between, what the, and between the, how they're promoting it, the gameplay and the voice acting behind the characters to the creators of Injustice and the people hiring the talent, bravo. Keep on doing the hard work, and hopefully someone in the film ring will recognize that, hey, if they're doing so good with this, pardon me, let's give them a chance with the live action. Let's give them a chance with real actors. And you see, there it goes. I say real again. These are real actors behind the voices and stuff. It's just, that's where a term comes and just ties you up in knots. But again, the the guys behind Injustice, bravo. Now, now, can you guys handle the next Mortal Kombat JLA game? Because, you know, what we got the last time, it, it was it was good. In theory, but in in gameplay, it sucked. Let's have you guys do it, for the love of God. Back to you, Afrenard. You know, I got uh, one quick question. I want to I want to I want to go to you in one second. I want to go to you anyway, Captain. Um, you know, I want to. We may go over time for about five minutes in the podcast version to our listening audience. Remember that you're listening to us live, but on occasion we still talk beyond beyond the clock running out on us. So on occasion. About, Oh, well, okay. Well, let's, let's say five or ten minutes. We'll see. Um, you mentioned that you were wearing a Black Panther um, T-shirt yesterday. I was wearing my Black Panther t- Black Panther T-shirt yesterday when I and we were going to the gym at different times. I mentioned this, and I want you to go into what happened when you wore, when you were wearing it. But we can talk about this stuff being fiction, and it is fiction, but it also seems to be piercing reality in the sense that so many people are invested in these characters. People are coming up to you on the street. People are coming up, uh, coming up to me on the street. They're asking questions. 
people are disclosing their stories. Um, I can't wait for tomorrow for a number of reasons. We have uh, American Gods. Neil Gaiman's American Gods makes its premiere. Uh, there's so much product out there, folks. I don't know if I'm going to have enough time to see this stuff. It's wishful thinking. But also, uh, the History Channel has Superheroes Decoded coming out. George R.R. R. Martin of GOT fame, um, he, he, he discloses that as a kid, he wrote a letter to Marvel Comics, <laughs> to the bullpen, uh, talking, just fawning over Fantastic Four. So, I mean, all, I, you, it's obvious that Martin is a, is a geek, but this, is, this, this world is becoming a world where people, I'm not used to, uh, Daryl and myself, we grew up in an enclosed situation with this stuff. I'm pretty sure Claire can say the same thing, that comic books were not so ubiquitous the way that they are now. Now, now everybody's coming out of the woodworks with their stories. Captain, talk about your Black Panther t-shirt thing and, and then go, go forward. Well, I'm walking down the street and some random person in a car, you know, he pulls down and says, says to me, well, that's a nice shirt. I said, absolutely. It has to be a nice shirt. You know, I got it on. He, said, he starts talking about you know, the movie, he says, what do you think about the movie? You know, and I said, well, I got the shirt on. So you have to believe that I'm a very big supporter of the movie. And then we went from talking about Black Panther saying that Marvel better get it right. You know, <laughs> we, we, it went from that to injustice where, where the person was talking about, the particular person was talking about how... What, what, what was it? How exactly did does uh, Batman avoid Darkseid's Omega beams and everyone else gets hit with them? I said because he's Batman. <laughs> so it was, all, and we were just going back and forth, back and forth with this man, just based on the shirt. That's why I say at times this thing seems very real to people, you know. And then he pulled off in the vehicle and said, "Listen, man, they better, they, they better get." This Black Panther right on protest that he pulls off. <laughs> so it was pretty good. It's pretty good. It's about a seven minute conversation. Pretty good. So it was good. Listen, if Respect they get it. that Black Panther movie wrong, see there you go. You sound like him. You sound like him. You sound like him. Oh God. You sound like him. That's going to be my theme music, so I'm not even worried about it. And, they don't want to hear it. And here's the thing, Desmond. Listen, Claire, Claire, here's the myself, thing, Desmond. Hold on. Claire, myself, all of us, we, had, we didn't want to admit it. But we were very violently angry about B versus S. Now, if Black Panther, <laughs> they screw that up, trust me, every week I'm going to open up the show like this. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> moving furniture, moving furniture, and S. I'm, I'm going to keep it G-rated. Moving okay, furniture. Can, can and I interject? Bert is going to. He's going to go all Hulk smash on us. Yes. <laughs> yes. For whatever it was worth. For whatever it was worth. It was a white guy. For whatever that's worth. I had a conversation with. Well, right? for those of you that say say whatever, whatever, you know, I have to interject that. There you go. <laughs> well, I also I also tweeted out. Uh, we have to make note, and and, I, and listen, I would be just as as Prince has passed on. Uh, if if Stan Lee passes on, I'm going to be affected. 
But I must I must mm-hmm. make note that <laughs> he was being interviewed. Uh, it's on YouTube. Interviewed. Uh, he was going to a a friend's store who that was opening up a comic book store, and someone has their own gig on YouTube, and they're asking him questions. You know, they're interviewing Stanley about Black Panther. And uh, he says, yes, you know how, he, how Stanley speaks, you know, yes, this is, uh, I, can't, I can't even take Stanley, very hard to get his voice, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, Pilgrim, you know how he speaks, uh, true believer, uh, that happens to be our first black, he says black, but like really with a great emphasis, our first black uh, superhero, so there, that's going to be it, so for Stanley himself, to, to be big upping like the importance like he's really like you know he's a really important character in the Marvel franchise but there's a lot you know we see uh, Captain Marvel these you know whether you're female black Asian uh, whatever your ethnicity is when you start going into that realm we only get one shot <laughs> Claire knows this sometimes you don't even get a shot if we get one shot it's got to be really good so I'm going to be moving furniture if this movie sucks. And also the fact that you have Angela ba- Listen, you have Angela Bassett, fine-ass maturing Angela Bassett. Yeah, I'm going into, into uh, reptilian mode. Um, you have uh, Lupita Nyong'o. I mean, you know, Chadwick Boseman. Wow. If they screw this up, I don't think it's possible. But – uh, at the tail end, I see, you know, we're already in the podcast mode, and now our friend from Podcast Juice weighs in. <laughs> You're proving that CP time, Q, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> that it might be an actual mutant power that we possess. Uh, Q. <laughs> yes, sir. Welcome, sir. Okay, I know we're in podcast mode. I, I'm working up in New Jersey. I just got off work. I've been trying to shoot this video while I have my earbud with you in, in my earbud while I'm supposed to be listening to the video. So I'm dedicated, man. But real quick, uh, I, I got to say, and I caught hell for saying this, you guys are talking about Black Panther and it better be good. I'm concerned with Ryan Coogler <laughs> directing it. I told you. <laughs> I'm con- I mean, Ryan Coogler is a brilliant director, but his his forte is smaller budget more intimate films. And if anyone wants to say, well, what about the Russos? What about the Russos? Beautiful. Is lightning going to be, are we going to see lightning strike twice? Are we going to get lucky twice? I don't know. Yeah, well, listen, Russo, people fail to acknowledge that the Russo brothers are comic book heads. It makes a difference. The people that are making Injustice 2 Let's not get it twisted. They're nerds. They're comic book heads. We see Flash's power set. We see how a Wonder Woman is, is, is acting. We see how Darkseid keeps his hands behind his back and is kicking ass. <laughs> Come on now. So here's Stop my it. question. Is is Coogler into the, the comic? I don't he's into holding other men's heads on his on his Oh my goodness. Okay, so so Kugler, <laughs> I'm I'll be honest, I don't know a whole lot about him. Or, or is okay? that and to be honest, is I haven't Cuddler? even seen Creed. But my my thing is is that before before this whole thing, the you know, the, the pantheon 
you know, the, the 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 rise of Black Panther on in the MCU. Was this something that, you know, Ryan Coogler or Tanahasi Coates or any of these folks now attached to the property, was it something that they were ever interested in before? No, well, respectfully. Not to, I'm not going to pass judgment either way. I'm just curious. Well, because that I'll give you already – go ahead. I'll give you an answer. In Tanahasi Coates' case, he is a true blood comic book dude. On our our uh, colleague podcasters, fan bros, interviewed uh, interviewed him twice. I believe DJ Ben Hameen, that's his boy from Howard University. And when I first heard the Tanasi Coates interview, he went into so much mythology, almost on a uh, Daryl B encyclopedic way. Don't, trust me, he knows his s. So he's in there. He's in. You know, there's a lot going on. That should make us feel comfortable. And I'm kind of joking, kind of, about the photograph with, with his boy, um, uh, Michael Jordan. I'm kind of joking. I mean, listen, I would prefer Jim Brown to be the director. I mean, that's just me. I'm kind of half joking on that. Half joking. Fred, William, Fred Williamson with his cigar, manly, powerful men doing their thing. I'm just, that's, that's me. I'm not a millennial, so, I mean, you know. Anyway, um, so far, everything lines up that this should work. But if it doesn't, you're not going to see another black com- a comic book movie in 30 years. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, I understand that. And the same thing I have concerns with in terms of a, a female-driven yep. you know, heroic movie. In terms of Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. if Wonder Woman sucks, not only does that completely destroy... <laughs> much of the, the hope of building up the DCEU, but it destroys any hope of having seen more women, you know, lead the charge and be the hero, you know, telling the story. So I get it. There's a lot of pressure. My thing is, is that regardless of whether or not Kugler is a comic book head guy, you know, prior to getting this job, based on everything that I've kind of seen and based on even just like, you know, some some interviews and just some some sentiments that have been shared before this was even a thing, during and now after, after they have wrapped. I feel like Marvel is already starting to get it. It still scares them. Don't get me wrong. It's still very scary. But because of how Luke Cage was received and having perhaps so let's just say, I don't even know what I'm talking about, but I'm just taking a, a shot in the dark here. Let's just say I own this company, but I don't, for better or worse, I just don't have that many people of color in high positions of power, in high positions of uh, creative input. I have only a select few. Therefore, when I take on a project like this, it is nerve-wracking, and I have to have people on board that I trust, which means that I'm... I'm I'm deferring to them. I'm going to defer to Nate Moore. I'm going to defer to uh, who was it for Luke Cage? Cheo Hadari oh. Coker. Right. I'm going to defer that level of 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 trust and acknowledgement and just you know storytelling acumen 
because they understand the black experience better than I do, right? So because of the way it was received, I already feel like, you know, there's just a little bit more more of a, a sense of, of excitement as opposed to fear when it comes to now getting Black Panther his own movie and having a predominantly black cast. But it's more than that. It's more than that because I know that Chris Rock and a lot of people have made this, you know, observation. But the thing is, is that when I first heard it in some sort of storytelling form, it was when Eric LaSalle, the great Eric LaSalle, loved him, and I was so happy to see him in Logan. Anyway, Mm -hmm. when he was on ER, and I'm sure I've told you this analogy, Noah Wiley, you know, his white intern, right. you know, finally had to just ask him, why are you so hard on me? Why are you always on my case? Why are you always this? Why are you always that? And I love the way Eric LaSalle, in his quiet strength, had to break it down for him and say that, you know, you are my responsibility. Everything that you do is a reflection of what I have taught you. And he basically had to tell him, like, for me to get to where I am as the lead surgeon, I can't just be better than all the other black doctors. I have to be better than all the white ones, too. And so I've heard many different people kind of explain that same level of, of pressure to be to be better than everybody, not just within your own creed or color in your, in your category. You have to top the white folks as well at their own game in order to get even the same amount of respect. So for this, I just feel like if you look at the, the resume of everybody, you just said it. You just said it. Angela Bassett as Queen Mother. Okay. It's crazy. Lupita Nyong'o, you know, Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan. I mean, this is insane. It's this like is like half crazy. of Black Hollywood is in there, basically. Half of Black exactly. Hollywood is in this movie. Exactly. But do you see that in order for us to get to this point of having this movie, it must be filled with a caliber of talent, of black talent, that is so well-respected that has earned their due compared to other movies where Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pratt. Wow. They don't need to have that same level of respect. They don't need to have that same level of prestige in order to get to where they are now. So that's just kind of where we're at. That's why I totally understand the pressure and how you feel that they better not F this up. I okay, get it. The stakes some- are very high. Can I say something real quick? I just want to kind of, listening to Claire and listening to what you said, uh, Deeper, maybe I shouldn't be worried more about Ryan Coogler not, not having the action chops of being the right director and Black Panther getting screwed up. What I should be concerned about is whether or not they screw it up or not, are is it going to get supported? Because if Tyler Perry can keep getting the check from Hollywood with his movies, that's, 
and that's the only reason is because they get supported. So I need to stop worrying about Kugler and worrying about the public. Are they going to support it? Well, the way the, way the Black Panther books have gone, um, no. <laughs> Hate to say it that way, but Everybody says they were their Black Panther fan, but when it comes down to supporting Wakanda, uh, no. So uh, we, we, we'll faith. just have, have to see about the quality thing. You know, it wasn't that long ago that there were movies, like three movies in a row, that were led by a black cast. And one, and not saying that I watched any of them. I'm just going to say that they were all very different in genre. You know, one might have um, a sexual thriller-type vibe with Sanaa Lathan. Another one might be more of a Christian, you know, more religious, spiritual vibe or whatever. Another movie. And there was a time when, for like a couple weeks straight, a few weeks straight, the number one movie was led by a black cast. And we can't forget the fact that African Americans and Hispanics, they, they you know, consume like four times as much media as as other, you know, ethnicities do. So I just think that it's important that it gets marketed. You know, what what did we talk about earlier in the show, right? What did we talk about? We talked about the fact that sometimes it's a matter of just keeping the conversation going. How many times has this hashtag popped up? How many times has this level of uh, of intrigue and interest really ramped up for a new trailer or for a new cut of this uh, this clip or whatever. It's just about how they market it. Because, frankly, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman disappeared. Like, we, I, like, we don't even know. Like, wait, are, is, that, is that movie still happening? Like, there's no trailers, nothing. So that kind of makes you wonder, well, does the movie not get the level of support that the, the studio really should be giving it? As long as Marvel... As long as Marvel fully backs the marketing push for Black Panther, you know, the way that they push with all their other properties, we got to have faith. we got to have faith that not only the black community, but everybody else will, will support it, will come out in droves, because it is a big deal. It is significant. Well, you know, something else, too, um, as I'm listening to what Claire, Claire really broke it down, uh, even more to the point where I didn't really – I really didn't realize. Well, you know, listen. Sometimes you're in your, you're in your own head, your own head so much you're not really thinking about what's happening outside. But when you really break down like the level of talent in Black Panther versus Chris Evans, and not taking anything away from because I, I listen, I'm a big supporter of Chris Evans and Helmsworth, but those guys, I mean, you know, you're allowed to time. kind of be medi- you're allowed to be kind of mediocre, and I'm not really calling them mediocre because at this point they've mastered those characters, but. When they first got into the game, you know, we didn't really know what they were going to bring to the table, really. Um, but we know that, you know, these people are, like, tested. You could tell that Marvel is really doing everything that, that they can to, to kind of shore up any, any like, loose – any kind of loose uh, connections to this movie being bad. By, just by what Claire just said, that there's no – Chris Evans type actor really in Black Panther. Everybody's like ready. It's like ready for business. I mean, that's telling you something, isn't it? That that's what is required. Exactly. Everybody attached to this film has been field tested, has been in the game for a long time, 
and or has been nominated or won awards and accolades. They're highly respected. I mean, think about Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman, um, he did Jackie Robinson <laughs> uh, and James Brown before getting this role. Like, you know, we didn't, we didn't see any of, of even Evan's previous work or even Helmsworth's previous work. That didn't come into, into play really to get those roles. But for Black Panther, everyone has to be like uh, Obama. And even, and even <laughs> if you – and I, I make the Obama connection because you see clearly, even though there's, there are, there's such a thing as alternative facts now, but uh, you see how prepared Obama was and is as a president. And you, you, can, you, you take the, 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 the chance that you will not get recognized for that. Versus Trump, who appears really, and he said it himself, he didn't realize how hard it was. Oh, poor baby. He didn't realize how hard it was. And a, a constitutional law professor, a state senator, as well as a U.S. senator, uh, I mean, all these things going on, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's still, he's still not ready for the job. I mean, this is the world we live in. So Black Panther still operates in that same kind of paradigm. That you can still be superhuman, and someone will still tell you tell you your work isn't good enough. But I think I, I guess it, it, it's it really does depend on the environment. Is it is it really ready to see this kind of character uh, interpreted the Marvel way? I, I think it's going to do well personally. I think I hope it it exceeds expectations. That's what I really I really hope that is the case. You know, it's got a lot of political stuff going on with this movie. It's it's in Africa. Um, an attractive cast, uh, you know, there's just, just a lot going on. But when you put Absolutely. the black label on something, people get scared. They don't know what to do. They act disinterested. You know, it, 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 I, I can't call it. <laughs> I can't call it. But that's the thing. I, I honestly feel that regardless of whatever concerns people might have for, of uh, Kugler's lack of experience as a as an action director. The same concerns that people would have had for if Ava DuVernay took on a role like this. The, the thing is, is that that's not what you hired him for. You already have, especially after 15 movies and almost 10 years of building your company, you already have an established team, an established crew that knows how to design action set pieces. Okay? That is not why you hire a particular director. You hire this person because they have a voice. They have a certain signature style that you want to tell this story through their lens, okay, through their interpretation. That is the point. The action will, will be taken care of within itself because that's what the Marvel crew, they're going to they're gonna handle it. They're going to handle it. But with this, I think they want – and that's probably why they're, the stakes are so high, and they are still pretty nervous about it. As long as they market it, then I think that people will come. You build it, people will come. They're going to they're gonna push Black Panther as, as more of a, of a drama, and they're going to push Black Panther as more of a prestige picture. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're going to really push it to be on that level because they don't need to worry about um, – the comedy, they have other movies like Guardians and Doctor Strange. They have other other elements in which the comedy, it, it makes sense. 
and it's very much, you know, in the vein of, of that lighthearted tone amidst the action. I think Black Panther is going to be a major drama, a major drama, very, like, they want it to be taken seriously because of all the social and political undertones. Well, so I, no, I'm, only, I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited. I have the, faith. The only, the only thing, yeah, but it's important to have faith. I would agree with you wholeheartedly. I guess what it is is also um, is that the, the black community and, and, and the respective communities of color, when it comes down to our representation, if we're going to be absolutely honest, when it comes to our representation, we're so uh, used to taking shots. We're so used to a certain level of disrespect that we become very antsy. And uh, I can tell you personally, even from last week, you, unfortunately, you, you weren't able, unable to make it last week, Claire, but I wish you were, were here to, to witness kind of an example of that. Uh, and I believe this, I believe this to, be whole, be, to be true. Um, we were very happy to have the gentleman from Kugali Media, Kugali Media, a Nigerian uh, company, Nigerian um, platform that exposes uh, diasporic African folk and comic books and video gaming and so forth. So we had this really international conversation. Um, gentleman from Nigeria, his boy from, was calling in from London. Uh, we're in New York. We even shouted you out, uh, you being in L.A. So this was going to be an, inter- this was an, international, an international discussion. High brow nerdy talk, right? Um, I mentioned some stuff about uh, a Nigerian doctor that invented these glasses. Uh, he has a patent for inventing these glasses that you could wear during surgery that allows the wearer to see cancer cells. And I talked about this whole notion of black intelligence. And there's always this thing about black, blacks not of being lesser intelligent. But then you have all these high-performing black people coming out of, coming out of, out of, out of space somewhere. It's not an anomaly. And then some, some person who I perceived to be white calls in. And he, I, could, I already knew. I had, to, I had the, 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 uh, the button to knock him off right away because when he spoke, he sounded, he sounded nice, but I said, okay, I know I can see you're going to grab the ball away from me like Lucy does, does uh, Charlie Brown. And he says, uh, oh, yeah, but you blacks can – what about you blacks running fast? And I quickly clicked him off. And what, the reason why I even mentioned this long story is that he heard all this intelligence on a show called Afro Nerd, and he goes into some – some old slavery running fast S. I really want to say the real word. I'm like, really though? So Black Panther represents a lot visually, all that highbrow intelligence, uh, mythological uh, superhero crap. Some folks are going to be against it because they're just against it. They get nervous. They get nervous. And it's, it, it boggles the mind that why is this guy so nervous over intelligent black speak? Why? Well, Why? you know what? Let them. Let them. Let Holy them. crap. Just like when, when Luke Cage, when Luke Cage came out, and everybody's like, Why are there so many black people? Uh, Why are there so many black people on Luke Cage? I'm like, Oh my goodness, really? Really? <laughs> well, okay, see, that's the thing. That's how you know you're doing something of value. That's how you know you're doing something that's going to move the conversation forward because you, you're scaring folks. They feel threatened, and that's how you know you're doing something real, powerful, effective. I could, 
I couldn't say it any better than that. Let's let's talk about one quick thing and then we'll 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 move along. Uh, these these after the show discussions, boy. <laughs> Q comes up, comes in, but it gets heavy when we're not live. But I, you know the the folks listening in the um, uh, you know during the podcast version will get a treat. Um, quickly, I, I do want to address um, slight quickly. I didn't see it yet. Daryl, if you could talk about it, just, you know, you know how to talk about it without getting to a spoiler situation. Uh, our friend, uh, Fan Bros, their personal friends to Dulay Hill. Um, what, what about Slight, man? <laughs> is it worthy of, of – I'm going to see it anyway, but what are your thoughts about it? I think it is worthy of uh, uh, checking it out. I think it was a good start. Uh, yes, some of the annoying tropes involving black people are in there, Okay. I'm not going to say which ones. You're going to just have to see it. But Dooley Hill is quite menacing. If you're thinking you're going in and seeing him as his character from Psych, good luck yes. with that. <laughs> no, no Gus, no Gus Burton, my brother. <laughs> uh, listen, he <laughs> he's got a sinister charm to him, but cue the word sinister. You know. The I, I was intrigued as to the physics, non-physics of the powers in question. And again, you're going to have to see it. Um, but they set up a sense of family. They set up some pretty cool visual scenes that rival um, Now You See Me. In that, in that you'll be sitting down there like, how exactly do you do that? And you'll be sitting down there for a minute as it goes on to the next scene just going, how did he do that? Like, oh, the next scene's on. Oh, so I do. It's, it, it isn't the greatest movie in the world. I will say that. It isn't the great, like, oh, my God, it totally wowed me. It, it's, it's not Get Out. But... It is a good time at the movies. I gave it a seven and a half out of ten. It is a good time. It's a good building block if they want to continue anything. But again, yes, I have to warn you, some of those tropes are there where you're like, the story was going along so good, but they had to throw that in there. And folks, if you see it, you'll see what I'm talking about. Next week, we'll, we'll dissect it more, but I just don't want to spoil on that. Back to you, Afrener. Yeah, um, and we're going to go to a, a closing credits here, um, a closing groove. I do want to shout out Samurai Jack, Daryl. Man, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want I, – I, I was never really a big Samurai Jack fan. You know, I looked at it you know, in its earlier version, but this latest kind of closing credit thing with um, – uh, what's, the, what's the, the guy that runs it? Genity or Genity? Genity Tartakovsky. Tartakovsky. Uh, it's the it is the best. I mean, the fact that they brought back all these characters that they they're aged. Some of them, except for Samurai Jack, we know that he can't age because of what he's what he's doing. But everything about this thing, the beats on it, um, I wish I wish they would extend this. I mean, I hope this isn't like really the final. I mean, I know it, it, we're being told it's the fi- it's the final season, and they brought it back after all all these years. But man, they they need to. I kind of want to see more. I mean, I guess there's going to be some shippiness with the female character as well. I'm assuming was, was Jack ever married? Uh, no. 
Okay, so I'm assuming that but, this woman. Well, we'll see. But I will say it like this: it was a perfect coda. You know, now you could go and go right into the final fight or get ready to do it. You, it answered everybody's questions about some of their favorite characters in the series. And, hell, I, I, uh, the point to Patrick Lewis on Twitter, I was like, after hearing the Rave song, I need to hear a mix of this. We got to, this thing's got to be played. And within an hour, he had, he had it uh, put on Twitter and stuff. And people were like, where's this from? Where's this from? Like, this was the latest Samurai Jack. I missed this. I got to go see this. Holy crap. So, you know what? It, it it's possibly the best like continuation uh it's not a reboot but it's possibly the best continuation or ending coda of a series ever and 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 uh, I'm not mincing words because the the old feel is there along with some new moves and all I got to say is the girl in the water that scene had me yes. tearing up. That was a deep scene, especially if you're a person of color. Oh, my God. There were so many ways for that scene to go wrong. And they hit the notes pitch perfect. To you, Afrin. I have to confess something. Um, the part, the, the, the transformation for the Ashy character, uh, who, is, uh, who may be the paramour for Samurai, Samurai Jack, how she was, this, she was this really obviously dark character, and then she makes a transformation because she got to know who Samurai Jack really was. And the part where she, she that rave scene you referenced, where she started to dance, I got a little emotional on that for some reason. Because that's what you start to see, like, wow, you know, just, she's like, she, she, she gets it. But it took some time for her to get to that point, to, and then she physically removes the darkness from her you get to see the transformation of that character. It's pretty heavy-duty stuff for a cartoon, I have to confess. So to the listening audience, uh, just like er- our former Attorney General Eric Holder wanted another season of The Wire, I have to channel, channel Counselor Holder and ask for another season of Samurai Jack. I'll leave it at that. Uh, folks, we conclude finally in the tail end of the show. The uh, Grindhouse edition of our podcast, we'll do it again next week. We'll talk more succinctly, as the great Daryl B. has as mentioned, about Slight. I want to support Slight. It is important to support the Black Panthers, but also to support the Slights as well. So um, I'll check it out tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, and in honor of Samurai Jack, I actually have a groove of Samurai Jack uh, somewhere around here that I thought was kind of funky. <laughs> That's what we do here at Afronor Radio. If I could, if I could find a damn thing, I just had, I just had it. What the, what the hell? All right, live action um, time radio, folks. That's how it works, folks. <laughs> we keep it real. Anyway, um, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play the Samurai Jack groove that I find interesting. Raphael Gray, Samurai Jack remix. We'll do it again next week. Thanks, Claire. Thanks, Daryl. Thanks, uh, of course, Q. The captain already left. Next week, it's been real. Samurai Jack, remix. (laughs) 